You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we move into part two of our movie recap of Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. So big it was that we had to put it into two parts, obviously. Um, let's get straight into it. Moving on to here, Colin and I talking about the sixth part of the Star Wars saga. <laughs> I guess technically before we get to the uh, drawn-out Ewok stuff, we get at least one more good scene here, two more good scenes, uh, however you want to count it. Uh, we get the arrival of the Emperor, which uh, I, I've i said this several times throughout all of these episodes, but you can know all these movies by heart, and until you actually start sitting down and writing notes, you don't realize how uh, some things play a little bit differently, but... Emperor arrives, and first of all, I love that he's he's a much bigger draw than Vader. You know, Vader gets a crowd of like twenty five people. Emperor, the entire Imperial uh, army is here to greet him, uh, and uh, as he arrives, you get the bow of Vader and Jajurad, and uh, Emperor immediately starts talking to Vader, and you know he he's saying uh, everything's going well, Master. The uh, Death Star is back on schedule. They're working double shifts. Uh, they're sacrificing their breaks, their lunches. <laughs> There's no talk of strike just yet. Um, couple of complaints about uh, they want different uh, flavored donuts. They're not fans of the the powdered jelly bursters. They want some crullers in there. But we're back on schedule. <laughs> and he's like, great. Now I guess you want to continue your search for young Skywalker. Uh, and he's like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and I love that that's his secondary mission. Like, I, I don't even think I... There's another thing I don't even think I really noticed until I sat down to write it. But you know, this is never really the Emperor's objective here. I don't know if this is something, you know, sort of not really clearly spoken in the movie, but was intended that the Emperor sees Luke as a secondary thing. Like, even in the last movie, he's like, we have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. He could destroy us. Or we could turn him. Hmm, interesting. Uh, do up a little bit of a business plan for me. Present it for the next executive meeting. PowerPoint and then we'll see if we can turn this. Yeah, PowerPoint with Vader. The following are reasons why um, we should turn Luke. Turn slide. <laughs> Oh, damn it, the projector's not working. Hang on a minute. IT. Yeah, it's Vader. Uh, yeah, Larry! We, Larry! We, we talked about that problem. Yeah, it's not working. Okay, F5. Okay, Control Z. All right, yep. Oh, got it. Okay, hang on a sec. No, no, that plug is plugged in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it's in the wrong... Oh, okay, got it. Hang on a minute. Oh, now it's working. All right, cool, thanks. All right, yep. Sorry about that. Uh, next slide, please. Everybody want to take a 15, and then we'll come back, and we'll finish this presentation properly. <laughs> Uh, but here, the Emperor is telling him, oh, okay, now that you're done with the important work, why don't you look for Skywalker again? Uh, we loved your presentation on that one. And uh, he's like, yes, I would love to do that, Master. <laughs> but, but Master, I um, haven't had a weekend off in three weeks. What did I say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no complaint. I'm, I'm taking a personal day. Um, don't I have a dental cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but but he wants him to go back and uh, find Luke now his secondary mission and Vader starts saying you know oh he will come to me as he keeps saying over and over in this movie and then for the first of probably a half a dozen times in this movie the Emperor who had no clue what was going on 10 seconds ago was like yeah. everything is going as I have foreseen <laughs> like, no it isn't 
<laughs> a second ago, you wanted me to go find Luke. He's like, no, he will come to me. <laughs> this is very Dracula. He will come to me. <laughs> I want one of the stormtroopers. Like, I have this. I want one of the stormtroopers in the thing to be like going like, um, sir. And it's like, who said that? K seven two three four. Is that your number? Come here to see me. Are you questioning my I don't logic? Know how they... Well, I want to know how they broke the news of the first Death Star's destruction to him. It's like, so, what of the rebel base on Yavin? Oh, a little bit of a problem with that. So, apparently, uh, you remember that guy? He he helped us build it. No, 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 not Krennic. The other one. The other one. Yeah, Urso. Okay, so he built a flaw in the Death Star that he didn't tell us about. And, uh, well, sorry to say this, uh, your Death Star has blown up in a shower of sparks. Um, And we've lost a couple thousand people. Ah. I have foreseen this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have foreseen. But the other thing too that I've got to ask, right? Like, they they blew up the first Death Star. Okay, we're gonna, you know, fair enough. They recovered and boom, they moved on. In this one, okay, the Emperor gets killed. Spoiler alert. Well, or does he? Uh, Darth Vader gets killed. <laughs> He'll probably get brought back in Episode Ten. So does he? Um, so like, is that just what they need to end the Empire? Is just the death of these two people, or have they literally stored like? all of the remaining Imperial fleets on this second Death Star. Like, they won't find a weakness in this one. Every troop go here. <laughs> uh, sir, what if we all die again? We won't. This is it. Because <laughs> then, like, it's... Cel- I have it. <laughs> it's the celebration of, like, the end of the Empire at the end of this movie, basically. It's like, um, well, you, you didn't celebrate after the Battle of Yavin, so what's the difference here? Yeah, there's nobody left now. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way they'll destroy us twice... <laughs> It can't. Because they would never suspect to build a second Death Star. I have foreseen it. And otherwise, our backup plan, First Order. Yes, it's (laughs) totally new and different. We'll be a bit more Nazi this time. I I want to go back to the PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) So the search for Skywalker. Oh, slide two. Slide two, I said. Oh, I need to get IT here. Yes, I have foreseen this. (laughs) Coffee break, everybody. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, but anyway, so... Emperor <laughs> foresees everything. Uh, the is about to die. Now I have foreseen it. <laughs> but we cut to uh, Yoda, and Luke has finally gone to see him, and first thing Yoda's doing is hobbling around, and he goes, Look, I so old to your eyes. And you can just tell Luke's trying not even make eye contact. And I can just hear it going through Luke's head. Don't say anything about how old he looks. Don't say anything about how old he looks. Because he's be like, no, no, you look great. You can <laughs> you run the Olympics. 30 years off your life. Yeah. And he's like, when 900 years old, you reach. Look as good. You will not. <laughs> this is where Mallory needed to be. See? Told you. I'm not the only one who thinks everyone in this movie's aged terribly. Except for Princess Leia. I do. I do love um, Luke. Like, like, yeah, like, it's kind of the whole way he's avoiding looking at him. But just the one thing I will take away from this scene, jumping ahead, though, is I just I just love Luke's facial acting in this, well, Mark Hamill's facial acting mm-hmm. in this sequence. Like, it's so good. Yeah. And keep in mind, like, for a lot of these shots, they're probably with, I dealt when they were doing Luke's take, when it was, it was, you know, time to film the other side of this conversation, that Frank Oz had the puppet there. It was more than likely, you know, just a blank bed and Frank Oz offset. You know, uh, when 900 years old, he's looking at you a lot, and he's looking at nothing. So, again, so much credit to Mark Hamill for so many scenes where he acts opposite nothing here. Uh, and Yoda's basically saying, I'm about to die. 
Luke says, oh, you can't die, you know, because uh, I've come back to complete my training. You know that training? We spent two weeks doing something. Anywhere from two weeks to 1,050 years. We haven't figured it out yet. Uh, yeah, so I got lots more to learn. No, no more training. Now, even as a kid, I'm looking at this saying, there is no way he's fully trained. Now we can look back and say, episodes one, two, three, Anakin trained for 10 years. Obi-Wan trained for 20 years. Then they're Jedi Knights. Here... We have no point of reference. So you could say, oh, that's all the training there is for a Jedi. But even as a kid, I was thinking, this is just Yoda's excuse because he doesn't have the energy to be hauled around in the backpack anymore. <laughs> uh, but Master Luke, uh, or my Master Yoda, you haven't taught me this and this and this. Um, unimportant they are. <laughs> Where's my Force Lightning training? Where's, you know, my training about the high ground? No, training needed you do not need. Flip can you do? Yes. <laughs> Choke can you do? Yes. All the training you have. No more do you require. <laughs> I have foreseen it. <laughs> the, the one thing you must learn is to project yourself onto another planet in the future. Important that will be. That will just come but out you know of what? nowhere. Here's what... Well, we're going to get to it, but, but I'll forget by the time we get there because we won't have much good to say. But like Ryan Johnson actually did a good job of sort of tying this up because when we get to the last jedi and luke's like but the sacred text and he's like nothing important there are in those books that the girl doesn't already know he, he's basically backing up his lazy training in the last jedi and saying no jedi training very easy it is <laughs> flips choke done <laughs> didn't you realize girl just born with force no training she needs she beat kylo ren already look how easy force is in future you, you, you millennials have it so easy these days. Everything just handed it to you, it is. Back when I was young, we had to work for being Jedi. But, but I mean, it is kind of a lazy answer, and I don't think it's something that I ever really bought, but silly says you don't have to be a Jedi. And I, I love right away, then I am a Jedi. All this proud, like, I am a Jedi. And the other, whoa! That's what kills him. He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he says no you must confront vader uh only then will you be a jedi and luke suddenly springs on it is darth vader my father which we mentioned last week that james earl jones reaction this was when george lucas had consulted those psychologists will will children how will they respond to this and they told him you know back then oh if they have trouble accepting it they're just going to deny it which is where we get the famous james earl jones he's a liar <laughs> but um he put this scene in there to explain in case there were people who still denied it, particularly children. So he says, your father, he is. And then he, he says, uh, it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, I know the truth. And that's when he's like, unfortunate that you rushed to face him. So um, this is uh, the first of like many moments where when we were back in the prequels, we started mentioning so many of Yoda's teachings, uh, like, you know, uh, should I sacrifice Han and Leia or, you know, uh, rushing to uh, into battle or whatever that you actually saw the payoffs. Here Yoda's just saying it in theory, oh, you shouldn't do this. And then we see in Attack of the Clones how Yoda actually learned these lessons, mm. you know, by uh, sacrificing, you know, Dooku so he could save Anakin and Obi-Wan. And uh, this is sort of the nice tie-up to the, you know, don't go rushing into battle or whatever. Uh, and he's basically laying the guilt trip on him right away. As, you know, it's all your fault. Also, if you had not rushed I also love when um, Yoda says, told you, did he? That little prick. Yeah. I told him to keep it a secret. 
She's just like, mm, told you, did he? Like, what did you think, uh, Yoda? Like, when he's going to work it out? Like, it just makes me think of those how it should have ended videos. Like, I'm going to be a father? Like, he's just so excited. Like, Luke, come join me. <laughs> it's like, Yoda's like, told you, did he? Hmm, I must get on the phone. Vader, you little prick. We told you not to tell anyone. I still want the scene where it's like, no, Obi-Wan told me years ago when I first met him. Like, Obi-Wan! <laughs> <laughs> And then you hear, that is bullshit. <laughs> and he puts his hands up. <laughs> no, I did not tell anyone. <laughs> Kept the secret I did, Yoda. Qui-Gon shows up. Oh, I... shut up, both of you. It was me. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I, 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 still, I like this scene, but... I'm sure I'm not the only one who grew up always having to raise the volume on the TV to the maximum yes. level because you can't hear anything that's going on in this. And even still, like, I have the subtitles. I know the movie by heart, but I'm still turning up like, ah, can I ever actually just fully hear what they're saying? Uh, but he he basically tells him, you know, oh, I can't kill my own father. Well, no, I guess that's the, the Obi-Wan scene later on. Uh, but uh, here is where Yoda kind of spills the other beans uh, where he says... There is another Skywalker <laughs> and uh, dies on the spot and disappears. So obviously he had some learning from Qui-Gon as well. <laughs> and um, he, I, let's let's kind of also talk about this whole there is another Skywalker because we mentioned how much did George Lucas know when he was writing. It? And I sort of said in the last one, like. Maybe he knew he wanted to be another person. Maybe when Yoda originally said there is another, he wasn't referring to, uh, you know, her Leia specifically, but maybe the plan was originally there's going to be another Jedi and anybody can just pop up. Oh, there's another Jedi who survived this entire time. Uh, but obviously at this point, he's already told Je uh, Luke, you know, the last of the Jedi are you. And now we get the beginning of the last Jedi. Uh, but this really could have been anything. Because in the last movie, he doesn't say there's another Skywalker. He only says it here. So that could explain away some of the uh, flirtiness between Luke and Leia uh, in the previous movie. That it was Maybe it wasn't even the plan that it was supposed to be a sibling. And maybe it was only supposed to be a Jedi. Um, and... Uh, now we get to the scene after he dies where, you know, he goes to R2. He's like, I can't go on alone. And Obi-Wan reappears. And here's where we get the conversation about, you know, uh, you told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. And he says he was seduced by the dark side. So he ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. What I told you is true from a certain point of view. Uh, also going back to Revenge of the Sith, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil! It's <laughs> all the point of view line. <laughs> he did because... I, I honestly believe that that, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil line, when I heard that in Revenge of the Sith the first time, the first thing that came into my head was, that's why Obi-Wan said the certain point of view thing later on, because he has seen, oh, oh, oh people will view it from whatever their point of view is. Uh, so, again, we're tying into the prequels very nicely here. And, and, from, uh, from a certain point of view, and also from a certain point of view, sand can be coarse and rough and irritating and <laughs> also get everywhere. From my point of view, sand is smooth and wonderful and gets nowhere. <laughs> but Anakin saw it a different way, and it turned him to the dark side. Anakin was seduced by the evilness of sand and turned to the dark side, so he ceased to become Anakin Skywalker and turned into Darth <laughs> Vader. I can't remember whether I sent it to you or you sent it to me, that, that meme about... Uh, uh, where it's it's Anakin, and it's like, you don't understand, Obi-Wan! It's like, Anakin, it's just sand! And then it's the shot of 
him with his, like, his yellow eyes and the, the burning fire back. But I get everywhere. <laughs> I would love it if that was how he turned. <laughs> sand is classic. is just sand. From my point of view, sand is coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. There was a video I watched recently. It was like um, from the same people who did the Songify, the movies, like the room one. Um, and they did one with the I don't like sand. It's not as good, but it's still, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. And then they get like the scene coming up where um, Luke turns himself in and the Emperor guy's like, you, you know, oh, and he was armed only with this and hands the lightsaber over. But they've edited it with like handing over a pile of sand to Darth Vader and Darth Vader's like, <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, anyway, so the, the certain point of view thing... Uh, he talks about his history with Anakin. When I met him, he was already a great pilot, but I was amazed how strong the Force was with him. I took it upon myself to trade him. I thought I could do oh, as well didn't? as Yoda. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're ordered to. Qui-Gon just gets forgotten. I want Qui-Gon's ghost to like, come up here and goes, Obi-Wan, I know where you are. I will find you. I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> Stop lying about you training the boy. <laughs> And then meanwhile, like for this entire movie, the Emperor and Vader keep giving all the credit to Obi-Wan. Yes. So really, Obi-Wan is just looking for the credit for everything. He's like, I'm taking credit for Anakin. I'm taking tre- credit for Luke. Obi-Wan's done next to nothing in this trilogy Qui-Gon. other than die. Poor Qui-Gon. Yeah, where's Qui-Gon and Yoda? Then this is the equivalent of them not getting Chewie's medal, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Racist against Jedi's with long hair and beards. That's why, like Obi Wan, yeah. chopped his hair off. The mullet got rid of the mullet. Mullet, so he could get respectable. <laughs> um, so he says he can't kill his father. Then the Emperor is already. Obi Wan just gives up very easily. Well, then I guess the Emperor's wise. Guilt tripping Luke. <laughs> and then he's well. If you don't kill your dad, we're all dead. Thanks, Luke. It's just and the galaxy and the Jedi will be extinct forever and oh there's a twin sister of his and I'm sure she's gonna die too twin sister what Luke should just turn around and be like well, excuse me you just fell on your sword didn't you in the last <laughs> you could have killed him but no I'm gonna sacrifice myself oh put the guilt on me you bitch. <laughs> Um, the revelation of Leia comes here. Uh, you know, we hid you both from the Emperor when you were born. Uh, and, and this line is also very important because there's that thing that's always called the plot hole about, you know, why didn't, uh, or if they were just going to send him to Tatooine and, uh, you know, have him keep the name of Skywalker, you know, wouldn't the Emperor have found him? And Obi-Wan actually says it here. It's like the Emperor knew as we did that if, you know, Vader had any offspring, they'd be a threat to him. That's why your sister remains anonymous. So that basically tells me, even back here in Return of the Jedi, before there ever were prequels, the Emperor probably did know mm. and just didn't want to say anything. I mean, he he's the one who says to Vader, you know, uh, the, the son of Skywalker or whatever. Uh, he didn't tell that to Vader. I mean, we, we see the prequels now, and we could look back and say, well, you know, he said, you killed her. He didn't know he killed her. So from... The end of the uh, Revenge of the Sith, the Emperor knew he was lying to him. He didn't see what happened to Padme. He saw Padme wasn't there, so he knew she was rescued. He probably could have sensed something with the, the twins being born. And he's smiling when he says to him, in your anger, you killed them. But even back in Return of the Jedi here, Obi-Wan is stating the Emperor knew that you would be a threat 
so you were hidden and you know it, it wasn't even just a matter of you know oh, oh well uh they're gonna find you it's like no the emperor didn't want them to be found because that was the threat if you find the twins vader could know that vader would be the one to stumble across them the emperor wasn't going to go off on some side mission on his own um but uh he says oh it's leia leia's my sister and again well I'll say it again where is the oh god what have i been doing with her <laughs> There's no mention at all. He's just way too... He's almost smiling. He's way too okay with this. Uh, Tatooine is the Tasmania of yeah. the Star Wars universe. Funny, actually. That was a slogan uh, for Tasmania, actually, for once. <laughs> you know, Tasmania, the Tatooine of Australia. Incest. Sand. <laughs> Come to Tasmania. We don't have Vader here. Our sand is too coarse and rough and irritating. Uh... And the other line here is also very important. Like, it's, it's a very quick scene, but there is a lot of important stuff here where he tells him to bury his feelings. Is they could do you credit, but they could be made to serve the Emperor. So the Emperor doesn't know that there's twin babies, you know, uh, obviously, because he has that revelation later on. But he's telling him, bury your feelings, because if Vader finds out that there's a sister, then, you know, he's going to use that against you, which is what he does later on. Uh, we get the reforming of the fleet here. And Han's congratulating Lando right away because he was promoted to be general. For what reason? Like, Lando hasn't even been... Has he had an initiation? The, the Rebel Alliance was exposed to him once when he landed the Falcon, you know, at the end of Empire, docked it, and then immediately said, so we're going to go find Han now if uh, we're not needed here. Okay, you go and we'll meet you on Tatooine. Okay, see you later. He comes back, has never met any of these people. He's like, we're going to make you general. This is like the journal. We're we going to make you bomb bad General Calrissian. <laughs> Who has... And let's like be this, honest, we've, at least we've seen Jar Jar in battle. I mean, he won accidentally, but I mean, at the same time, we actually saw Jar Jar do something. Lando just didn't do much. So, got to say it, Jar Jar more qualified than Lando. Is General actually a really low-ranking position? And it's like, oh, okay, so this guy just joined. Oh, let's just make him general. Uh, or maybe just give the highest honors to the least qualified people. Uh, and Lando's patting himself with a Somebody must have told him my little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. Like, I want to see that backstory. Where's this maneuver he had? Uh, was it like a flight maneuver? Or was it uh, some battle strategy? When was Lando a soldier? We don't know this. Uh, is the Battle of Tanab, you know, some type of card game? Uh, this is like, you know, what is that, Warhammer or something like that? One of those tabletop games that he's very famous at. Uh, but he gets to be general and he's like, well, I'm surprised they didn't ask you. Well, you know, I'm not crazy. You're the respectable one. And then we get the briefing, the return of Mon Mothma, who in three years uh, looks completely different uh, and has aged quite a bit. Uh, but the only other speaking role of a female in this movie, I think, uh, outside of Leia. Well, the Ewoks. And, uh, Are they female Ewoks? Well, they speak. I mean, I didn't get Wicket. He's he's a boy. Um, who else speaks? Don't don't assume Wicket's gender, Colin. <laughs> I don't know. I oh, I guess you're right. I didn't see any you know little Wicket doodle or anything. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> hanging out of his fur. I really I really hope that uh, what's his face writes an autobiography one day and calls it Little Wicket Doodle. Uh, the- but good point, Ben. Maybe he is. Maybe he's gender fluid. We don't know. Um, 
<laughs> so anyways, we get the briefing here where they talk about the, the Death Star and it's protected by an energy field on the planet. Um, and this is our plan. We're going to disable the shield. Uh, General Calrissian's going to fly in there. And uh, Leia has that line. It's like, I wonder who they found to pull that off. And General Solo, are you ready? <laughs> so he's general now, too. Everybody's a general in this movie. <laughs> Oprah. You're a general. Um, you're a general. You're all generals. I hope Wedge is a general because he's done way more than these people. You know, he's still um, right there in the background. I want to be a general. Uh, and uh, oh, here we get the plot for Rogue Two in here as well. Yes. Uh, you know, Mom Mothma has this line about you know, uh, Bothan. Many Bothan spies died to bring us this information. And she has this somber look on her face. That's Rogue Two. I want. How did we that. get the plans for the second? It would be great because they're they're also um uh, uh well we don't we don't know what a Bothan looks like. We've never seen a Bothan in these movies. So you have a new alien species, Mon Mothma. General Mon Mothma could be on the battlefield. Yep. Um, the, the like you know if they're making a Rogue Two, it's this story. Uh, but they're not anymore because nobody wants to see Star Wars standalone movies because of Solo. Um, we want to see it though. Maybe on the Disney streaming app. Maybe that's the Cassian Andor story. Hey. Uh, oh no, that's a prequel series. Uh, he died. Uh, anyways. Admiral Akbar gets introduced. Not much to say. Uh, I love the graphics for the the Death Star here. Uh, they've upgraded from I don't know Windows ninety five to Windows ten here because there's <laughs> huge upgrades in uh, graphics by this point. And um, uh, the, the, well, Solo's forming his crew here, and uh, he's saying, "Oh, I don't have a command crew." And you get Chewie. <laughs> And it's like, oh, well, there's one. Leia, count me in. Now, my brother always hated this moment. He said it was so cheesy. And I always disagreed with him because I actually really love the corniness of, General, count me in. And then Luke walks in. I'm with you, too. <laughs> yes, it's corny. But I loved it. But it does kind of bother me that the briefing just stops here. Luke comes in. It's like, hey, Luke, how's it going? And I just want to see it from, like, General Maydeen and Admiral Akbar and Mon Mothma, where everybody's off talking to Luke all of a sudden. And they're like, uh, excuse me, we weren't done yet. You have not been dismissed. Like, uh, Luke just walks in, like, these entitled main characters, Luke, Lando, I want to be a general. Lahan, I want to be a general. And uh, Luke, oh, I'll just disrupt your meeting here. It's kind of a dick move by Luke. Uh, but still, I like the corniness of it, so I'm not going to complain. Uh, Han gives away the Falcon in the next scene. Uh, is there in the hangar? It's a great looking hangar too. Uh, a huge upgrade from the uh, A New Hope three ships that they circulated over and over again. And he's saying, "No, take it." And uh, I want you to take her. She's the fastest ship. And he's like, oh, I don't know what she means to you. And Han goes from like basically twisting his arm to take it. And then Lando says, "I won't get a scratch on her." And then all of a sudden, Hans has like you know givers remorse here. Where he's like, okay, um, not a scratch, right? And for the rest of this movie, he's like, oh, why did I do that? Like, he's just kicking himself for it. Um, Lando, now there's an important line here where he says, I won't get a scratch. And then he says, okay, fine. He says goodbye. And then when they're in the ship getting ready to leave, and Han says, or Leia says, I think, what's wrong? And he's like, I just had a funny feeling like I'm not going to see her again. That's because what I don't know whether it was filmed or not, or maybe there is an alternate ending, but the original plan was for Lando to die because they said, we don't have any sacrifice here. We need some type of sacrifice that the Rebels have to make. And it was supposed to be Lando dying, that as the ship is leaving the Death Star, the explosion happens and he gets lost. 
whether they ever filmed that scene or had it as an alternate or just decided not to film it in the end, that line was in there because Lando was supposed to die. Um, and uh, Or maybe <laughs> there was something in Harrison Ford's contract. It's like, I'll come back for the movie, but I reserve the right to have my character killed off before filming's done. <laughs> and it was Han who was never going to see it again. Maybe that's what it was. But uh, still, it's kind of a cool line that doesn't really get the payoff. Uh, they leave. We get the Emperor in his throne room. Uh, you get that, what is thy bidding my master line, which is such a great line. And here he's like, send the fleet to the far side. There it will stay until call for. And then he said, well, what about the rebels who are amassing near Solust? Oh, it's no concern. Here he actually is foreseeing something. <laughs> we have at least one scene where the Emperor actually properly predicts something. Please, well, uh, And... What do you mean he's old? What does that have to do with anything? Well, when people get old, they lose their mind a little bit, so maybe he's foreseeing things wrong. Like, you know, he's got dementia or something. Forced dementia. He's got hibernation sickness. (laughs) So he's been in carbonite, and this is the other symptom of hibernation sickness. But it's like, you know, like, with all respect to elderly uh, people, like, at certain points, they, you know, yes, I have foreseen you eating some boiled lollies. And it's like, Nan, you don't have any boiled lollies. Oh. Oh, that's awkward. And then they just don't give you boiled lollies. What other forced dementia moments are there that are cut out of this? What is thy bidding, my master? Send the fleet to the far side of Ender. Master, master, uh, there it will stay until... Master, do you know that your robe is on backwards? (laughs) Uh, I have foreseen this. (laughs) Send send the fleet to Odoron. Uh, Master, uh, you destroyed that three years ago. Oh. Oh, I have foreseen this. Yes, yes. <laughs> like the Simpsons, um, where the Ramones are playing the Happy Birthday, Mr. Burns. Smithers have the Rolling Stones killed, but sir, that's not. Do as I say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he sends Vader to the ship. Go and wait on the ship. Uh, and then we get the arrival on Endor uh, or above Endor. When they're basically using this stolen shuttle, which I didn't mention earlier, in case people haven't seen this movie, they're in a stolen shuttle with a stolen code. And uh, one of my other great Han Solo moments here, Han Solo and Chewie just playing off each other, is uh, where he keeps saying, you know, uh, oh, this isn't going to work. And it's, oh, this your imagination, it'll be fine. And then it's like, this is not going to work. Oh, no, it'll be fine. And then suddenly Han's, again, getting this, you know, uh, volunteer's remorse here. Uh, keep your distance, Chewie, but don't look like you're keeping distance. And she was like, I don't know, we'll fly casual. <laughs> it's like, how am I supposed to keep my distance while not keeping my distance? And then Han is, this is not going to work. And then, your code is clear. <laughs> See, I told you it was going to work. <laughs> like, I think scripted, there are a lot of great Han Solo moments here. And because he's Harrison Ford, he still pulls them off. But like, in a way, I sort of feel like that line, like the the Harrison Ford that did... Uh, everything's all right now. Uh, we had a slight weapons malfunction. How are you? Like that, Harrison Ford probably would have made this ten times as funny. Uh, but so we got to criticize something here. Uh, Luke keeps sensing the Vader's on the ship. Vader's clearly sensing something. They let them land, anyways. Uh, we'll just finish all the good stuff here before we get to the Ewoks. Um, on the planet here, um, they're. Trying to get around some stormtroopers they find. Uh, he says, uh, okay, well, it'll take us forever to walk around. All right, Chewie and I will take care of this. And I said, quiet, there might be more of them. And the Han Solo, hey, it's me. I love and then all of a sudden you get the eye. <laughs> Luke and Leia both like, oh, here we go again. 
so they're sneaking up, and here's Looney Tunes Han Solo in this movie. <laughs> we need to add the dun 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 dun, dun like turning around like Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> He just walks up on them and steps on a stick, and he looks down like, uh-oh. <laughs> just get whacked in the face. Wiley Coyote holds up a little sign. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like I so, love the storm. The things I love about Endor is just the stormtroopers. Like, hey! And then, like, you know, later on when they've got, like, one Ewok, and they send, like, 20 people up, hey! Like, the stormtroopers are just so dumb in this movie, but it's hilarious. Um... So Han gets in a little fist fight here. Uh, Leia goes off to chase the guy on the speeder. Luke follows and hangs on to her. Of course, they got to get nice, nice and close because brother and sister. Why not? Uh, so Leia's giving Luke a piggyback on the speeder. <laughs> we get the speeder chase here, which is the best action sequence of the movie. Uh, probably better than even the Death Star stuff we get later. It's definitely the most original and it's the most visually stunning. And I never really realized how this was done until I think the DVDs came out and they had like the the big making of the trilogy, and the way that they actually film this, you know, you you have models obviously in some shots, but when you have the characters on the speeder, like it looks like the best rear screen projection you've ever seen. There's two things that are happening. One, they're actually moving the real trees are on set being moved past it, and secondly. To film this, they sent a guy or a crew into the woods with a steady cam and just walked a path for like who knows how long. So you get these incredible long shots where, you know, they're just moving all over the place. And because they walked it so slow, you know, they speed it up and it, it doesn't look like you get like kind of that jerky movement when I think it was Goldfinger, especially when there's a lot of the car chases in Gold Goldfinger and they're they're doing rear screen projection. It just, it looks like it's being sped up, but here it looks great. Uh, the speeder bike chase is amazing. Like it just has this speed to it, like the pod race where every time they round a corner, every time, even if it's just like you know, a, a POV shot going straight, you feel like everything's flying right at you. And I, I think this and the pod race are probably the two most intense chase scenes we get in any star Wars movie. Uh, eventually Luke jumps off onto his own speeder. Uh, Leia and him get separated. We get, uh, um, oh, there's a one moment here where Luke says, keep on that one, I'll take these two, and his mouth is so out of sync, it just looks terrible. Uh, I never noticed until I took notes for this movie, no music in the sequence. Mm. Like, we mentioned how the pod race, it was the sound designers, they went to George Lucas and said, we'd really love a sequence to just showcase the sound and not have music. And then the effect of that was so great that they did it with the, um, uh, the asteroid chase in Attack of the Clones. But I never really realized that the speeder bike chase here, it has no music at all. Again, it's just all sound effects. And somehow, just like those other two, it works better that way. Uh, the great shot where Luke jumps off, like he does the, the flip off of the speeder as it's still going at the high speeds. Great. When the guy turns around, I love, you know, the, the firing at Luke and his lightsaber. I think that's the first time we ever get a lightsaber deflecting blast, which now because we've seen the prequels, like the Jedi do that in battle with the droids all the time. I don't, I don't even think it happened before this. This is like the only time that it occurred in the original Star Wars trilogy to see that a lightsaber could deflect, you know, blaster bolts. Uh, he chops the thing off. The guy spins out of control. Leia's guy kind of loses him uh, or loses her and then crashes. Uh, more Looney Tune action, of course, from the Stormtroopers here. Uh, and, yeah, I guess we'll just stop there before Luke gets back to them because uh, we're about to get into a lot of my complaints into this movie. Aww. 
Um, I, I like on, I think it's every, uh, everything wrong with video when they've got the Emperor walking with Vader and then you get that laugh, the first sort of like Emperor like <laughs> evil laugh. Like they're basically... <laughs> dresser, yeah, the Fred Dresser laugh. They're, they're <laughs> basically like, do these Stormtroopers not hear this and kind of get worried? Like they're kind of like, um, that's a very evil laugh. <laughs> like what's going on there? And um, what's his face? John Jorick or the what's his name? The Jejoffin. Jorick. The the Emperor dude. Gerard. Gerard. Thank you. Just call Moth. Moth. Um he looks like a moth. Um I love like watching him in the background. He just looks so worried in the background, like shit, 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 the Emperor's here. Shit, 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 we didn't finish sector D seven twelve. Like they're gonna notice the paint job's a bit shoddy there. Shit, 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 shit. Those guys wanted to schedule a break. He's gonna think I authorized this. Shit, 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 shit. Um the Yoda scene always annoyed me just because it's like you get Yoda for what, five minutes and they just kill him off in this movie. He's just like, Oh there he is, boom, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, Boba just, Fett? Yeah, but uh, Yoda's better than Boba Fett. Uh, it just, it, I guess it kind of works in the grand scheme of things, but um, convenient timing from Luke. Like, did he phone ahead? Is he like, oh, hey, Yoda, just um, leaving Tatooine. I'll be there. <laughs> Hurry, you must. Dying I am. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what if, he, what if he showed up? Like, what if he got stuck in, like, space traffic or something like that and he shows up and there's just Yoda dead? <laughs> Empty, empty bed going on there. Um, but yeah, I like it when he's kind of just like at his X-Wing and then Obi-Wan shows up and he's like, Obi-Wan. Like, is that is that the first time that he's ever said Obi-Wan rather than Ben? Because I swear Luke always always called him Ben yeah. even in the second one. One thing actually that I think we've mentioned it. Oh, I just, on that note, like we obviously know when Obi-Wan appears in the vision, he's like, Ben, Ben. <laughs> but even when Obi-Wan is talking you don't see him yet when yoda's like you know uh um uh i guess revealing himself to luke for the first time and he's like ben i could be a jedi ben tell him i'm ready like even then he's calling him ben yeah so i don't know it's the first thing i noticed one thing that we haven't really mentioned at all i think in any of these movies is the um the transitions how they like using wipes and kind of like the circles and, the and kind of like remember the first time you ever played with an editing program like be it like Movie Maker yeah. on Windows or you know Apple what is it iMovie and you just were like wow look at these I can transition to a scene and there's <laughs> triangles and stars like mm-hmm. I swear like George Lucas just had a program like that it's like wow I can transition with a circle effect. <laughs> Like, it weirdly works, though. Like, I feel like you'd never complain about it. And I think it was in the Honest trailer for Attack of the Clones where they're like, and so many wipes or something like that. And they put, like, the Benny Hill music over it. It's like... And you see, like, all the scenes with all the wipes. Um, because it's true. Like, they use so many of those transitions. And and it works so much for this because it gives it this classic feel. Mm. But when we don't get them as much... Like, I remember in The Force Awakens, they still use them, but... I sort of felt like, oh, that really should have been a wipe there. And then Last Jedi, we get it even less. It, that's one of the things that kind of makes those movies feel a little less Star Wars. And there's no reason to not include them. Like, when we get to Force Awakens and Last Jedi, maybe if I remember, I'll take note of, they should have had a wipe here, they should have had a wipe here. Because every time there's a wipe in Star Wars, it's not just, I'm going to transition for one scene. It's always when there's you're, you're moving from one story to another story, or if there's like a passage in time. Mm-hmm. And there are times in those movies where you're going from, I think it was especially in The Last Jedi, 
uh, I thought, you know, they go from the, the opening battle to Ray appearing before Luke, and there's no wipe at all. I'm like, if any scene in the history of the series needed it, it's this one. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to actually just think. I can't even remember many of them in at all. Last Jedi or Force Awakens. I mean, again, I haven't seen them as much as I have the the ones we've already covered. But um, yeah, no, I, I struggle to remember any. I also one thing I noticed in these three watch. I don't think I've ever noticed before is kind of when Luke's walking back to his X wing and he looks over to Yoda's house and the light goes off. Like the, obviously the fire goes out in the house. I've never noticed that yeah. before. And kind of you just see the, the darkness of it. Um, I've always, like, uh, I always love the fans who, like, complain, like, oh, Obi-Wan's point of view. Like, I mean, I can understand arguments, but at the same time, like, I think you summed up, like, he kind of explains it all right. Like, you know, for what I told you was kind of right from a certain point of view. And again, like, straight away, does he need to tell him that he's his father straight away? Like, when he starts asking about Darth Vader? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, like, like, he, at that point, he hadn't even seen the Leia video. He just knew there's a message for you. He didn't know this had anything to do with it. He had no idea that he was, he didn't decide to even take Luke with him until after he heard that video. It is pre princess Leia message when he just sort of asked him, how did my father die? Like, is he just going to spring it on him there? No, your father didn't die. He's Darth Vader. <laughs> That's I think in the, yeah. uh, the, how it should have ended. They, they do that. Um, also with the effects with kind of like glowy Obi-Wan, that's pretty cool. Like, it looks good. I mean, this is 1983. So, I mean, how do they do that? Is it just post-production? They just add a glow around him? Or did he have to wear something special to kind yeah. of achieve this? No, it's it's just post-production, just animation. Uh, similar like the glows of the lightsabers. Because when you look at behind-the-scenes videos of lightsabers on the set, they have like maybe a glowing stick in some shots just so they could achieve the lighting on a character's face. But for the most part, it's just a metal, a white... Metal Rod, all the same colors. And I think it was the same teaser trailer, the first teaser trailer that showed Luke's blue lightsaber and had the Revenge of the Jedi. Uh, if you watch that trailer, the Obi-Wan scene, or there's a shot from it there, and it's just Alec Guinness on set. So that actually made its way into the first trailer before any of this ghost animation. It, I mean, it looks amazing. Like, it really does look amazing. Um, and it's pretty amazing. Like, so does the Rebel Fleet when they kind of cut to the Rebel Fleet and you see them. Like, again, visually, it looks fantastic. Um, I love it. Like, I'm jumping ahead here when Luke shows up and it's like, count me in. They're like, Luke, there you are. We've been waiting for you again. Like, why do you always keep us waiting? <laughs> always waiting for you. Um, I love the reveal of Admiral Akbar's race. What, what are they? What, what's his race called? The Mon Calamari. Mon Calamari. Uh, Calamari, I get it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, there's definitely some moments in this whole sequences that really does, like, irk me in terms of the dialogue. Like, I'm with your brother, that it's a bit cheesy. And I also think that, again, like, if this is in uh, the prequels, they're going to be ripping into this. Like, the whole, like, you know, count me in, count me in. Like, I just always find that, like, cheesy. And also when, like, Luke shows up and Leia's like, what's wrong? It's like, Ask me again sometime. And yeah. then just the look she yeah. has on her face, it's like, huh? Like, it's just, yeah, you got to admit, if it was in the prequels, it would be getting not here, my boyfriend's present. <laughs> exactly. I mean, again, who talks like this? Like, ask me again sometimes. Okay. Like, imagine if, like, yeah. Jamie came home with, like, hickeys on her neck and lipstick and stuff like yeah. that all over the place. And you're like, why do you have hickeys on your neck? Why are your clothes ripped? Ask me again sometime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also love the way that Mod Mothma just looked, the way she just like steps in and she's like, she didn't say like, okay, crew, everyone, let's talk. She just starts in briefing like straight away. It's yeah. Like... 
<laughs> doesn't even start. But I, I am totally with you. Like, I've always, since Rogue One, I've always thought, like, this would make for a great movie because the way she basically starts <laughs> explaining about this and she's like, many Bothans died. And then, like, we get the, the knowledge that they steal an Imperial ship. Like, this is a good movie. Like, all <laughs> we got for Rogue One was we got some plans. Cool. Let's make a movie out of it. This one, we've got many Bothans died. We've got a ship. Like, this is in a post-Yavin, Battle of Yavin world, so I'm sure the Emperor has increased security. Like, he's put, you know, you've got to remove your shoes at airport checkpoints and things like that. Like, this is in a post-9-11 world. It's kind of, that's what they've done in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, so th- they've done all this. Um, there's that one guy that starts talking, though, like, outside of Admiral Akbar, the, the bearded guy. That is the fakest beard I have ever seen in movies. <laughs> like, just go back and look at that guy's beard. That looks like something you get at a $2 shop. People go on about Henry Cavill's digitally altered moustache in Justice League, which to this day I still don't see an issue with. And yet here we've got Mr. Fake Beardo General, uh, <laughs> like, with the worst beard ever in movies. Yeah, um, well, I, okay, the character's name is General Maydine. Now, if people go to Google, at least the time this episode is being recorded, and you search General Maydine, the second suggestion that comes up is General Maydine Beard. If you search General Maydine Beard, you see, have have you ever spotted the guy with the ridiculous fake beard in Star Wars? <laughs> I'm, good at, I'm glad it's not just me. Like, it just, it just annoyed me so much, like, just how fake this guy's beard is. And again, I don't know if I've ever noticed that before. Um, and I just love watching some of the background characters here, like, you know, when they're all talking and that, there's like, it's some alien, there's like an ET looking thing in one of the background. Um, there's a guy in one of the scenes, he's got it like, he's, he almost looks like Hitler. Like he doesn't quite have the Hitler mustache, but he's got like the Hitler haircut and the mustache is dark enough that he kind of looks like Hitler. Um, that's, <laughs> and I also love it when, um, General Beardo man is basically like, you know, and we've got a small crew to do this. And Leia's like, what crew? And then you find out, obviously, it's Han. And I love kind of like, you know, Han's like, oh, I'm just trying to put my crew together. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't want to speak for you, buddy. I didn't know if you wanted to do it. Like, why? And she was like, yeah. like, fuck you. You know I want to do it. Um, but the other thing that kind of irks me too, like this, this movie, the improvements on the special effects, we talked about that before. Um, but when... Han and Lando are basically talking about, you know, like, I want you to have a, like, you know, oh, not a scratch. I, I have your word. The background of that looks terrible. It just looks like yeah, they've got a Yeah, that massive, is the one like, bad shot. Yeah, they've, like, got a painting of it and basically mm-hmm. just put it in the background and that looks really, really bad. And then particularly when, like, Lando goes to walk towards what you think he's about to walk inside of it, but it just... It looks really bad. And I've always wondered about that whole, like, you know, I've just got a feeling I'm never going to see her again. Like, it kind of would have made sense even if they just destroyed the Millennium Falcon. Like, Lando doesn't necessarily have to die. But um, obviously, you know, that's not something they can do. Maybe they'll do it at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Um, I love the Emperor scene. um, And I also love... Moth, Moth, whatever his name is, kind of, he's got like a bit of a smirk in his, fa- in his face when he's like talking, when mm. the Emperor's talking. But who are those two guarded guys, like in the purple robes and stuff? Like they're not his, in, like. Oh, the. Yeah, those are like advisors. You never see He has the, the red Imperial guards and then the advisors. No, you're right, we don't. I like the look of them, though. And I, I love the red guards. Like, they're cool. Mm-hmm. They're, they kind of pop up sporadically, but I, I also like them. One thought I was having before, like. You know, big rumours, big chances of potentially a Hayden Christen cameo in Rise of Skywalker. And again, we'll talk about how much we would lose our shit if that was to happen. Let's have a Padme cameo. Like, let's have the Emperor, like, (laughs) 
And then all of a sudden, Padme shows up and is like, fuck you, bitch. You said I died. <laughs> Just, like, I know she doesn't have the force, but come on. Like, I know you don't necessarily like Natalie Portman, fair enough, but you've got to admit if there was a Padme cameo, you'd be pretty happy with that. No. Oh, <laughs> come on. Is this Padme or is this... Padme has been alive the whole time, and we have a 90-year-old woman playing Padme. <laughs> that I'd be up for. Natalie Portman in old woman makeup. Um, I'd be down for yeah. that. I, I, you know, I, I, would, I would take that on board. Um, I also love when they're in the ship, and like Chewie's like, and then Han's like, I don't think they built this with Wookiees in mind, or the Emperor yeah. built this with Wookiees <laughs> in mind. Um, but I also love like the the moment there when um, Vader's on the ship. And it's like, what is that ship doing? And it's like, oh, you know, they're just trying to go there. So, and this is what's his face returning. I always forget when I asked last movie that. Oh, does he return? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like they're using a code, but it's an old one, sir. But where we're going to let them boot, let them through? Should I stop them? And then I just kind of like this like tense moment where you've got like Luke and uh, Vader kind of just sharing a force off here without saying anything and yeah. like, I'm endangering the mission I shouldn't have come uh, this is where like he gets a vision again of Vader shirtless it's like put a shirt on <laughs> put some clothes on um, now one question I've got about Endor so this is the forest moon of Endor right yeah. so I think moon yeah. I'm thinking it's floating around a much larger planet what's the larger planet and why do we never see the larger planet it's it's probably a moon that's much further away. I mean, it's the same thing for Yavin. I mean, technically with Yavin, we do see the planet, so you're right about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- there it's the forest moon, so we know that there's multiple moons. Mm. And I don't know how far something could possibly be to still orbit a planet, but maybe it's just, maybe we're always on the wrong side of it. But this is what we're getting in The Rise of Skywalker, right? Because we've got the ruins of Death Star 2 in, like, an ocean. So I'm assuming that that falls down onto the planet and not Endor? Unless it just drifts in space for, like, you know, 30 years and lands somewhere else. Hmm. Which, again, considering that when we see this blow up, it's destroyed in a pile of sparks. There's no fucking debris left. So, um, good job there. Um... Uh, look, this is where I think we're going to have the most fun in this movie because you're going to be ripping into Ewoks and stuff that's happening here. I I I love this movie. I love the Ewoks. So I love all the Endor stuff. I just I just love it. And I'm a kid, clearly. Mallory also. We'll get to how much she loves this. But um, we've already talked about a few of the Han lines that I like. I forgot this one. I, I just I just love that moment when he's like, "Hey, it's me," and he just kind of has that little smirk yeah. on his face, and just the look that Luke and Leia have, like, oh, God, there he goes again." <laughs> I just like it. Like it just works. But yeah, Looney Tunes moment, and I just love Looney Tunes stormtroopers in this movie. And I also love I love the look of the stormtroopers. Like, what are these? Like the um, what what are these called? Like the different helmets? Aren't they called paratroopers or something like that? Or Oh, yeah, no, um, I can't remember the name for them, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Again, a lot of people complain this is just done for toys because, you know, like, and fair enough, but, like, I don't know, like, sometimes you would assume that they would wear different uniforms on different sections, like, you've got the red uh, ones that are obviously assigned, like, the Secret Service of the Emperor and Darth Vader, so, like, maybe these are different types. Like, I mean, if you have, you've got different branches of the army that would wear different things in different sections, like... Obviously, you have the you know the navy and that or different parts of the military, but I mean I don't know. I just I believe that they would have different uh, outfits. But I also love like 
the, the dumbness of stormtroopers in this movie. And we're obviously going to talk a lot about how quickly they go down with sticks and logs and stuff. But like, there's this one where when Leia and Luke jump on the bikes and speed off, and Han's like, "Hey!" And then that one stormtrooper comes back at Han, and he just flips it over his shoulder, yeah. and it like it knocks out the stormtrooper. <laughs> like it's kind of like it goes down like a little bitch. It's just like, what is going on with these stormtroopers in this movie? What is the point of their armor? This is the big question we have in this movie when they get knocked out by sticks. Mm-hmm. This armor is the most useless armor in the history of movies. Um, but I also love uh, when one of them goes off and Chewie gets his uh, bow laser and just shoots one of them off the, the bike. I love this speeder thing, like this speeder chase. It's amazing. And yeah, you're right, like with the music, like it just, you don't think about that. Um, but it's just, ah, oh, it's just so good. And visually, like, yeah, you can kind of see the effects are a little dated, but at the same time, it still looks pretty good for 1983. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like that, I didn't know about that filming technique you were talking about, but it's it's incredible. It's tense. Like, it's very much like the pod race. I completely agree with you. I think maybe there's even a little bit more stakes here because you've just got so many trees and everything like that. They're ducking and all that sort of stuff. I do like the, the Looney Tunes-ness of the one when the <laughs> the one's spinning around and you hear that, woo, 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 and it's like, yeah. <laughs> It's very much like a slide whistle, but just just that sound mm-hmm. effect of woo 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 woo. <laughs> just, the way they've added that in, and I also love the fact that halfway through this chase, they discover that these speeders have lasers on them. Like, why did they use that from the beginning? <laughs> like, pew, pew pew pew. Like, they're there the whole time. Why don't you just use them? Um, yeah, no, it's it's great. There's it's fantastic, and yeah, I think moving forward here. I, I'm going to be the defender because bring on the Ewoks. Bring on the gender-neutral gender wicket doodles. <laughs> I, I just want to state, I, I have no problem with the Ewoks. I just feel like they're not... The same thing as Jar Jar. I, I, I don't mind Jar Jar. I just feel like he was handled wrong in that movie or there's some slight missteps. And I feel like the missteps in this movie all revolve around the Ewoks, which otherwise I think could have been done a little bit better. Uh, one more thing to quickly add. I don't know what the actor's name is who plays General Maydine here, uh, but... Uh, I found this on Reddit. Um, this was a person who asked the real actor at the Star Wars celebration, uh, the, like the big Star Wars convention they have every couple of years. He actually met the actor who played uh, General Medine and asked him about the beard. And according to the actor himself, he said he had to wear the fake beard because the action figure for his character had already been sculpted with a beard, <laughs> even though the actor didn't have one when filming started. So... He arrives on set, whether he was told you need a beard and couldn't grow it, or, you know, he had one beforehand, and they said, oh, this is a picture of the guy we cast. Oh, he's got a beard? Let's add it to the action figure. <laughs> but the character, action figure form, had already been sculpted with a beard. They're like, oh, we can't. It's going to cost us so much money to to go back and, and do a new action figure to scrape the beard off. Wow. Uh, just just get some felt and throw it on his face, and we'll call it a beard. And that's why we end up with fake beard General Maydeen. I have to be honest, my beard is fake. It's just felt. I've been wearing it now for a little yeah. over a year. Yes. I just, I'm such a fan of General Maydeen that I just I need to pay tribute to him in some way. That's because the Oz Network action figure was already sculpted with Ben with a beard. <laughs> so so there's something. It's good to drastic measures. <laughs> Bugger the t-shirts, the Oz Network action figures. There's something that people would buy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, on, on the same lines as merchandise, we're about to get into the most subtle way ever to sell merchandise in a Star Wars movie. Perfect segue. Teddy bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? Um, 
So the Ewok stuff. Now, here's the thing. I, I probably am giving off the impression I'm one of these Ewok haters. I'm actually not. I, I spent my life being one of these Ewok defenders, although I understand how it does take you out of this movie a little bit. Um, and as I said, I feel like a lot of these scenes go on way too long. It's very similar to the same mistakes that were made with Jar Jar. Uh, I don't have a problem with the Ewoks in concept. Like the, the obvious concept, which I think we talked about in the New Hope episode, is that when this was one big story, and as we said, we had maybe 15% left from that original, you know, um, rough draft that eventually got split into episodes four, five, and six. The majority of it's, you know, gone or already been used at this point. But the idea was always there that he wanted there to be a battle on the planet where primitive creatures would be assisting. And this had a lot to do with, like, you know, the the fact that this was being written, you know, just post-Vietnam War. I guess at this time, Vietnam War was still going on. And the idea that, like, the Vietnamese, you know, you, you had these just what would be considered primitives compared to the U.S. military. And it was just this, this battle that would never end. So he wanted to include that. It was supposed to be the Wookiees. We eventually got that in Revenge of the Sith. But he wanted to include the Wookiees. So Chewie ends up taking the place of that. He's too technologically advanced. Let's throw them in here. I like the concept of the Ewoks. I just don't feel like the execution's all there. And again, I defend the Ewoks movies. I own the Ewoks movies <laughs> two years ago. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I have both Ewoks movies on DVD. I, I love the Battle for Endor. I love Wicked. I think Warwick Davis is one of the real stars of this movie. You want to talk about somebody who doesn't phone it in? He's like eleven or twelve years old when he's doing this. You know, a lot of the other Ewok actors they took. You know, real. I don't even know the politically correct word. Is little people still acceptable? Um, I think height. I'm not the right person to to ask that, Colin. So yeah, exactly. Um, A disability. Oh, that's funny to Ben. But anyways, (laughs) download Double Um, Seven now via the iTunes Store. (laughs) But these little people—they're mostly older actors. Kenny Baker plays one of the Ewoks in here. You know, just throwing. And there's another actor we haven't even mentioned at this point, Jack Purvis who appears in all three Star Wars movies playing a different character. So he was the head Jawa in A New Hope. He was the head Ugnaught in, on Cloud City in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Here they're like, let's make him one of the you know Ewoks. So these are you know men and women in their 40s. Warwick Davis, he is the same thing. He's a little person, but he was only 11 or 12 at this time. And George Lucas, he just was one of the many people who auditioned, and he just thought, he's very expressive. I want to change this a little bit. And I think this might have even been the wicked character was supposed to be Jack Purvis or Kenny Baker. He's like, I want to change it. I want to give this kid this role, which is great. Because, like, if you've seen Warwick Davis and anything else, you know, even just, like, Willow, there's a movie I really wanted to include in my top 50 favorite movies. You know, George Lucas and Ron Howard made that after Star Wars. He's 17 years old when he does that, and it's his first time actually acting, live action, no costume, his own voice, and he's the star of the movie, and he he's just amazing in that movie. Uh, Warwick Davis, when he was auditioning, he didn't know how to move this Ewok mask, so he would use his tongue a lot to make it look like the mouth move more, which is more than a lot of these adult actors were doing. And he studied his dog, and his dog kind of did this head tilt, and that's sort of what the Wicket character you know, was put in here, or I guess had more material written for, is that when he meets Princess Leia here, and he's stabbing her, you know, which is great. Um, At least he's not related. You know, she's like, cut it up. Yeah, and every time she's doing things like taking off her hat, 
uh, he's sort of looking at her. He does like this head tilt, which is very dog-like. Like, hmm, you know? So George Lucas loved this, so he expanded the role. He gave it to Warwick Davis, and I love Warwick Davis. Um, the scene here, there's some good stuff, but again, it goes on forever. Like, it, it, it starts with, um, you know, him stabbing her, and she wakes up, and then he's standoffish, and she's trying to, like, you know, hey, it's okay, little guy. Uh, she's talking. She's talking a lot to somebody who clearly can't respond. Uh, and I did that with eventually. My cat. You do that with some humans too. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's very. I do that to a lot of people that I think are listeners to my podcast. Yeah, but um, exactly. I, I often talk to people who don't listen. Yes, <laughs> it's called podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, some of the cool things that they add in here is. The blinking. Now, Wicket has, like, this blink. Now, none of the other Ewoks do. It was literally just a teddy bear, teddy bear costume. Like, their eyes are completely stiff. And I think that is a poor effect in 1983. By the time they did, I don't remember if it was the first Ewoks movie, the second Ewoks movie, it was animatronic, so the eyes could blink. And just for the sake of having, I guess, the main character have continuity, uh, Wicket has digital blinks that are added in the Blu-ray edition. And, which looks great, except for the fact that none of the other Ewoks do that. So maybe they could have added a few other blinks in there, but we just get Wicked. Um, this scene, though, is just her eating. Like, that goes on forever. I don't know what they're eating. And it's like, here, pull up a seat. Have some of my popcorn. And it, it, we get the stormtroopers in the distance. Wicked kind of senses them. We get the shot. They dive behind this log. Uh, he's hiding. The stormtrooper eventually sneaks up on Leia. The uh, other stormtrooper, go take her back to base. And he gets a very animated, yes, sir. <laughs> very excited. Again, the cartoon stormtroopers on Endor are brilliant. I love them. I don't know if I love them, but it's funny. Um, Wicket whacks him. And uh, uh, well, I, I do love the, the one thing. I don't even think it's Warwick Davis doing the voice here. But the one thing when... Uh, he first gets knocked off of the log and just with the first shot, he goes, <laughs> it's like, again, very cartoony, very Looney Tunes. Uh, he sort of whacks this thing in the leg, which, I mean, that should have knocked the guy out for good, right? <laughs> like a stick to the leg. Yep. This isn't consistent with the battle scene later on. It just distracts him. So Leia hits him with a stick, shoots the other guy off the speeder. She's like, come on, little guy, let's go find your home. Um, she really should be more worried about getting back at this point. Uh, and not, hey, I gotta get this little guy home. Wicked could be like 80 years old for all she knows, like she's just treating him like a child. Uh, although I think he is supposed to be a child here. Uh, I, oh, I, I want to mention also earlier on, just before when Luke gets back and they realize, oh, we we got separated and they're like, come on, we gotta go find her. And the droids is the wheeling way, he's 3PO says R2, and you said it was pretty here. <laughs> <laughs> they have a little romantic well, moment and you said it was pretty here. Exactly. Uh, so Vader appears before the Emperor uh, Emperor is like very short with him here I told you to remain on the command ship <laughs> he's just, Emperor's having yes, a moment I know. <laughs> yes, What's exactly. he's very testy with him and Vader's like uh, a small rebel fleet has penetrated the shield and uh, my yes I know I've foreseen it <laughs> <laughs> and he's Here's the one thing the Emperor will not lie about. My son is with them. Are you sure about that? Strange, I have not foreseen it. <laughs> and, uh, and you must go find him. He will come to me. Yes, I have foreseen this. <laughs> so a second ago, 
You hadn't foreseen that Luke was there, and now you've foreseen he'll come to you. He will come to you, and then you will bring him before me. <laughs> I just love the, 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 the way that Ian McDermott delivers these lines is so fantastic. And I know I'd already mentioned it, but there was never really a lot of love for Ian McDermott as Palpatine until we got Revenge of the Sith. And now it's like this beloved character. But like this movie came and went, and even when the special editions came out, you know, I remember... Um, Emperor has always been like my brother's favorite character, even as a kid. And he'd tell it to other people like the Emperor, like, oh, the Emperor is not that good. And well, yes, he is. I mean, I, did you love the Emperor even in Return of the Jedi or did it take? Are you one of those that took till Return of the Jedi to really get the, what Ian McDermott did here? I think we already mentioned, I'll just reiterate that I was the dumb one that didn't realize this was Ian McDermott until only a few years ago. I'm like, wait, what? He was in Return of the Jedi? I thought they just cast a really good actor in the prequels that looked really <laughs> like him. Um, Simon Cross effect is getting very effective. It looks so real. <laughs> but um, no, I, I always like the Emperor because, like, I think I've, we mentioned, didn't we, that probably Darth Vader is my overall favorite character in Star Wars. And I'm generally a person who always likes the evil side of movies anyway. I like the evil characters. So I've always appreciated the Emperor. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I absolutely love him, but um, I, I think I had one of the figurines I had. I had an Emperor figurine from memory. Mm. Um like, I don't think I ever had, like, a Luke Skywalker figurine or a Han Solo figurine, but I'm, I am I do remember having an Emperor figurine at one point. So, um, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I've always liked the Emperor. I've never not liked the Emperor, but I've never, like, fucking loved the guy. But I love him now, I guess, because he's Ian McDermott and he's attractive. What? Yeah, now that you know it's Ian McDermott. <laughs> I love how the first thing I went to is I love him because he's attractive. So, okay, then. <laughs> just um, I mind. just want to say my... My Emperor figure actually came with, like, these little attachments of, like, plastic force lightning mm. that you could pull in and out of his hands. I think I had, yeah, that, I'm pretty sure I had something mm. like that, too. Yeah. Um, wait, so we get a, a decent scene here with the Emperor, but then we get back to some of the stupid stuff here. So uh, they're still searching for Leia, and they found her hat. <laughs> where could she? Where would she have gone without her hat? This is like, dude, where's my hat? Oh, All this over is again. Like Thunderball, the the mystery of James yeah, Bond's exactly. hat. <laughs> where did that go? <laughs> um, so they're like, oh no, something bad could have happened to her. And Chewie gets distracted, uh, <laughs> and he just sees this dead animal hanging from a tree. What is it, Chewie? It's just a dead animal. And Chewie feels the need to grab this thing, which ties them up. And again, talk about cartoony things. This may be the most cartoonish thing that happened. I don't even want to talk about Tarzan yell or, you know, the logs and sticks beating stormtroopers. They pull a dead animal, and this giant net scoops them all up. And, of course, it's Han. Great, Chewie. Always thinking with your stomach. Uh, they're basically saying, let's try to get out of this thing. Han, can you reach my lightsaber? Oh, yeah, sure. So Han's like, do, 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 As he keeps trying to pull this lightsaber, which just puts him in an endless spin. <laughs> R2 pulls out his saw. Uh, 3PO, I think that's a very bad idea. It's a very long drop. Now, R2 has been sawing one section of this rope in this giant net that can hold... Five people? Four, four, five people here? Yeah, five. Uh, and one saw of the rope, and the entire bottom falls out. Whoa! <laughs> Hit the ground. Like, this is just as dumb as anything in The Phantom Menace, but because it's from people's childhood, they forgive it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say overall where this will appear in my rankings, but when I've always talked about how Return of the Jedi, I think there's just as many issues with it. This is what I'm talking about this entire section. It's like, sure, it's funny, but... 
we're coming off of very heavy stuff with the Emperor, and we're about to lead into very heavy stuff, and this just doesn't belong. And then they land on the ground, and they're surrounded by the Ewoks, and they're laughing it off. They're like, oh, these teddy bears with spears. And I, I, I kind of like the Han moment, though, where he where he's, gets a spear in the face. Hey, point the thing someplace else. Yeah. And he's, he's almost getting ready to get in a fist fight with this thing. He's like, hey, he pulls out his gun. Like, You're going to shoot a teddy bear? <laughs> but they just all give up here. And when 3PO rises up and they're all like, oh, and they start bowing before him. Like, again, this is really stupid. Like, it appears they think I am some sort of god. I do love Mark Hamill's little chuckle. Like, <laughs> like just totally scoffs at it and Han, why don't you use your divine influence and get us out of this it's a games by programming to impersonate a deity <laughs> it wouldn't be proper he says proper um the amount of things that 3po is programmed for they basically said do not impersonate gods as one of them <laughs> but like don't be an abusive dick isn't another thing in this program <laughs> Uh, it's just so absurd that they're in this situation and they let them tie them up like these are teddy bears like I I understand you don't want to kick a teddy bear or something like that but like one kick and these things go flying and they're gonna go and they go these spears are not gonna hold you back you have a mission here you're on a timeline Leia has been kidnapped for all you know the Death Star needs to be destroyed by morning you have at this point maybe 12 you know 16 hours and like, oh, these teddy bears want to tie us up. Just go along with it. They're hanging them from sticks. They take them to the Ewok village, and they're ready to cook them. And they're still going like, at any point here, Luke could be like, I'm going to use the Force to choke one of these things. He had no problem choking these Gamorrean guards earlier. Choke an Ewok. 3PO, tell him to let us go. You don't have to impersonate a deity here. Um, it definitely gave me some laughs as a kid. But, like, it's so dumb now that I watch this. Uh, I do love the design of the treehouse for the Ewoks. Like, it, it, it looks great. Uh, when they revealed the Han, it's like, what are they saying, 3 Peel? I'm rather embarrassed about this, but it appears you're to be the main course in a banquet in my honor. <laughs> Uh, I love the Ewok song as they're preparing the fire. <laughs> Again, this is very funny. It would fit in an Ewok movie. It does not fit in the follow-up to The Empire Strikes Back, the the dramatic climax to this saga. It's just, uh, I don't, I'm so sorry. I <laughs> dump on your childhood, Ben, but uh, Leia emerges here. Uh, she says, let them go. They're my friends. Like her performance here. This is like Jake Lloyd level acting, but these are my friends. Stop. <laughs> this is so painful. And yeah, I enjoy it. It's just, it doesn't belong here. Um, eventually Luke's mission here. Oh, first I got to say, as they're trying to set the fire, Han on the spit here, <laughs> Han's like, <laughs> trying to blow up this giant torch <laughs> like again it's funny stuff but it doesn't belong and then he says tell them you know if you don't release us you'll get angry and use your magic but I don't have any magic so now he can impersonate a deity and Luke could have used the force the whole time and he uses the force here to levitate 3PO levitate yourself out of the knots and run away <laughs> it's just so stupid you could say oh I have this sense it's like the Qui-Gon thing okay People pick on the Qui-Gon thing. Why did Qui-Gon, when he could have done this and this and this, why did he go along with the kid being in the pod race? He says, there's something about this boy. 
you can make the argument from at least that line. I went along with it because I knew that the force was leading us down this path because this was an ally I needed. Why did he go along with the whole Gungan thing? Because the force was leading him. These are allies you needed. Luke abandons him here. He has no idea what's going on. There's no moment where Luke says, I did this because these creatures might be able to help us. One line will make me accept this, but I'm not accepting it otherwise. Uh, eventually, they let them free because 3PO can fly. Uh, I, I love when 3PO lands. I never knew I had it in me. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I love when Han and Leia embrace and they start kissing and the Ewoks like, <laughs> And then we get, this is dumber than anything in the Phantom Menace, short of maybe a few, I'm just talking about an overall scene, not, okay, the, the Jar Jar moment where he gets crotched on the tank. Okay, that's one moment that's dumb. Single scene, 3PO story time? Like, seriously? We have stakes of, we need to blow this thing up by morning, and we get C-3PO telling a bedtime story to the Ewoks. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Luke Skywalker, blah, 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 Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, in an Ewok movie, fine. In the Ewok cartoon, better. In Return of the Jedi, no. And then we have a, yes, R2, I was just coming to that. This is the shortest story ever, too. Like, he basically skips all of what's happened in Return of the Jedi up until this point. Uh, and suddenly, it's like, what's going on? Is they're all having their little power after 3PO's story's over? Wonderful, we are now part of the tribe. And yeah, here's the Han Solo moment. Total credit, Harrison Ford does not phone in at every moment here. When he gets the hug from the Ewok, just what I always oh, wanted. I love that moment. <laughs> and Harrison Ford, when he goes up to 3PO, and he's like, uh, we're going to need, you know, some fresh supplies. And, and tell him yeah. we want our weapons back. And a close path to the shield. Will you hurry up, will you? I haven't got all day. And it's the double take Anthony Daniels does there is what makes it super yeah. funny. Because he's like, he looks at me like, should I speak yet? Like, okay, now I can talk. <laughs> and then we get another groaner of a scene. Um, Luke and Leia, their final love scene, let's just call it that. Uh, this is the do you remember your mother scene. And I will back up anybody who says this is a plot hole. Because, again, everybody was perfectly willing to accept when Luke said there's something familiar about this place and everybody got excited. He's remembering being born on Dagobah. Okay, well, let's accept that Leia had her eyes open and she can visualize her mother. Because she even says, just images, feelings. So even in Return of the Jedi, before the prequels ever happened, Leia has said, I don't have any clear memories. Which would tell you she was so young she could only remember. Do you remember, like, what is your earliest memory? For me, my earliest memory is, like, what my parents told me later on was like my second birthday where I got like one of those little riding tricycle things, which we lived on a farm, like, you know, hours out of the city. We had, we had like total little house on a prairie style because my dad was totally antisocial, even though he worked in the city, he would drive two hours a day. And he had a tractor on the farm and I'm like, I want to, I want to ride on the tractor. So they got me this little riding tricycle and just said, this is a tractor. And I have a visual memory, not of getting the present, but on my birthday, riding this thing from one side of our tiny farmhouse to the other. And it was an image, it was a feeling. So she could remember things like that. Let's accept that she didn't get raised by Padme, but she could still remember her there. So I'll back that up. But this scene, too, is just, it's so quiet, and it feels like it goes on way too long. And the acting is not great here at all. Like, Mark Hamill, I think, is acting opposite a person. He's giving it all, but... <sighs> Maybe it's just changing. They had this rapport for three movies, 
and you could play it like a brother and sister, but this they're acting this like it's a love scene, and yet the dialogue says otherwise. And even the kiss they have at the end is like a little bit too touchy. Okay, maybe that's there so Han gets jealous. But, you know, when he's saying things like, uh, there's more, and it's going to be difficult, but you have to listen. Her reaction when it's like, your father... It's just, it's not convincing. And then when it's like, uh, uh, yes, you're my sister. It's the acting so bad. And it's like, somehow I've always known, like, these are the worst acted scenes I think Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher have in the entire trilogy. And I don't know why. I think that they work well together in the previous movies. I just don't like this scene. Um, so let's make it even worse. So he's going to go off and try to confront Vader. I have to try. We get the kiss. He walks away. Han comes up. Hey, what's going on? No, nothing, Han. This is like worse than any of the soap opera stuff in Attack of the Clones. I can't tell you. Could you tell Luke is a hooker? <laughs> no, I can't. He just turns around. Han just sort of like blows her. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Women. <laughs> and then he comes back. I'm sorry. Hold me like like you did on the, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> like the the the, uh, the the space slug and the asteroid field <laughs> when there was nothing but our love, no politics, no war. <laughs> I'm just gonna end it here because I think this is the end of a very bad section of the movie. Which we definitely, I'm gonna own it here. We said the politics section everybody picks on the Phantom Menace is not that long, and I know this isn't that long, but I feel like it really drags you out of the movie. The politics section is at least advancing the plot. Most of this stuff here is beyond filler. It just doesn't belong, and there's nothing that's unenjoyable. It's all funny. It all has its place in a different movie, just not here. I'm sorry. Um, One thing I want to just bring up quickly, because um, I, I never understand it, is... When they've stolen the Imperial ship and they do their little, like, you know, oh, didn't know if you wanted to come with me, pal, and all that sort of stuff, and they've gotten through the shield, they've landed. Why are there, like, 300 rebel soldiers in this ship? Like, did we ever see yeah. 300 other people volunteer for this mission, and where did they fit in that ship? Like, that never makes sense to me. This is Vader has the exact same size shuttle. It is for him. It's one man. <laughs> but then, like, and because, like, I like it when Luke sort of shows up here and is all like, you know, oh, where's Leia? And got the hat or whatever it is. And kind of like, you've got this, these random felted bearded guys in the background just lo- looking around, like, going, oh, oh, and they're like, oh. And there's like, I think the second non white character in all of the original trilogies is there too. Like, if you actually pay attention, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's another non white person. Wow, two in the entire Star Wars universe. Um,. <laughs> But, uh, see, this is this is where we finally disagree, because I've never, ever had an issue with any of the Ewok stuff. I, I just enjoy it. Like, I just, I really don't get taken away from anything, because I, I like this sort of mixture of primitive beings mixed with um, sort of this, you know, group of heroes, 300 rebels hiding in a tiny little ship. It's kind of like when the clowns got into the, you know, little Beatles, those old old movies that they used to do that. But I just, I love it, like, I love it when Wicket's, like, poking Leia, and then he kind of, like, he pokes, and then he, like, steps back, like, he's ready for action, and then, like, nothing happens, and then he goes, poke, 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 and he steps back, and he's ready for action, and then nothing happens. And Leia's just like, hey, cut it out! <laughs> like, mm. Leia's just faking sleep. Um, but I also love like Leia's reaction when she's like, "Oh no, who is it?" And then she's like, "Oh, it's just a little teddy bear." Uh, it just doesn't. Mm. I, wouldn't it be hilarious if like we could just stabbed and killed Leia here? Like they're that primitive. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> bye bye Leia. 
Um, but I don't know. I've just I've never had a problem with it. I love it when uh, Leia's like interaction here with Wicket and just getting to know him. And then I love it when like Luke and everyone are going through the jungle. I, I, the, the chewy bit with the food, I just lose my like. I'm obviously just mentally a child where George Lucas. I'm the person that he's attracting <laughs> this to. That's why I love it so much. Uh, because I just love that moment when Chewie's just like, Aah! it was just this dead animal. <laughs> it's like, what is it, Chewie? Well, that's weird. It's just an animal. Leave it alone. <laughs> and he just gets caught. <laughs> and the whole bit when it's like, um, you know, always thinking with your stomach, Chewie. This is the first time in the entire trilogy we've seen Chewbacca actually think with his stomach. So where's this mm-hmm. extra plot of Chewie always thinking with his stomach? <laughs> um, but I love it with like the reveal of all these Ewoks. Yeah, I love that moment when Han like goes, "Hey, point that somewhere else." Because the way I I look at it is just they're they're just looking at these small little teddy bear like creatures. They say, "Well, they're not a threat," so that's why to me they kind of like give in because like, oh, "Okay, cool, they're going to kidnap us. What's the worst that can happen? What are they going to do?" And then it's only kind of when they start like lighting the fire that they think, "Holy shit, these guys are actually serious." So that's, to me, why Luke kicks into gear there and that he doesn't want to hurt these Mm -hmm. creatures because he's just thinking, like, well, they're just small little children. It's like, you know, in Galaxy Quest, this is a really (laughs) weird comparison, but remember when they see the little creatures on the planet when they're trying to find the brilliant sphere and they're just like, oh, they're just little children and then they just start ripping each other off. So, like, that's... Yeah, at the point, though, that they bind him and gag him... And throw him over a fire, you think he'd intervene. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I think he does, just when they actually light the fire. Um, so he's wasted. When, they, when they're tying him up and hanging him from a stick and taking... He doesn't know how long... They could be walking him for days, and he's like, well, let's just play it out and see where this goes. Well, I mean, they don't want to just needlessly... Sl- they're not Anakin. It's not like, I hate them! I hate kill them all! The, the women and the but children, the too! <laughs> Remember, this, this entire attack has coincided, like... Lando and, and Admiral Ackbar and everybody, they come out of hyperspace at a, a set time, which is the next morning. He doesn't know how long they're going to go here. Like, at what point was he going to do something about this? I'm sure he would have, like, done it no matter what. With that, you know, he's probably just thinking, well, what else are they going to do for a night? They're bored. Like, you know, they're... <laughs> <laughs> it's really reaching, Ben. <laughs> Shut up. Leave the Ewoks alone. I love the Ewoks. Um, I love little baby Ewok when he's, like, hiding his little head in a little basket. And oh, yeah. I kind of say Mallory, ah! Mallory absolutely loved this moment. Of course she did. She loves the Ewoks. Um, but I just... I don't know. I've just always appreciated the Ewoks. I just like this whole sequence, and I just I don't get sick of it. I just absolutely love it, and I love it like when R two D two gets chopped up and he gets up, and then all of a sudden he says electrocuting the Ewoks. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah. you in the butt, in the butt twice. <laughs> don't you love the jump that that thing? I, I, I do like that moment. He zaps him once, and he jumps. He zaps him again, and he jumps and does the splits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just love it. Um, and like, I always really like the story time moment. I don't know. Like it's just, it's just a couple of minutes of just like, and I love the sound effects and kind of, I love that bit with you. Like, so I guess I was just getting to that with like uh, R2-D2. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I've always liked that little moment, but I, I can't really defend the whole, you know, could you tell Luke? Is that who you could tell? Um, uh. Because, yeah, like, I, I remember Noah used to always bring this up, like, in other random episodes we did, and it's just it's just so laughable. And, like, I mean, again, we bring up, it's coarse and rough and irritating a million and one times, and it's been done to death, like, how 
bad that line is. But like, it's kind of it's it's one of these moments where it takes on its own thing, where it's so bad it's almost good now. It's like the room, like the yeah. room is terrible, but it's also brilliant because mm-hmm. it's terrible. That's to me what the sand line is. That's why we've spent twelve months joking about it in every single episode. <laughs> where it's like. Could you tell Luke? Is that who you could tell? Like, I mean, even watching this now, it's kind of like Luke's just standing on this platform. Leia walks out and Luke does this, like, dramatic turn. Like, it's like he's on Bold and the Beautiful or something like that. Like, Leia, (laughs) I spoke with the doctor. It's definitely breast cancer. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like, the thing, like, you're right with the line with Leia. Like, the thing that I always thought she was maybe talking about as a defence to this moment, but it's not a defence because she actually, because Luke adds a line which takes away that defence, is when Luke says something like, oh, what do you remember about your mother? Your real mother or something like that. Yeah. Because I always thought, like, well, maybe she's referring to her adopted mother and older on and Maybe she died. Exactly, That's yeah. That's what I thought. That's, that was my original thought, yeah. But then it's when Luke has that throwaway line of your real mother. Um, mm-hmm. But isn't there also that defense? Did we not talk about this in Revenge of the Sith that, like, when Padme gives birth, like, Luke's eyes are closed and Leia's eyes are open or something like that? Isn't that a thing that exactly. they reckon it's, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, like, look, first of all, I just got to point out, Leia's telling the truth. She is very beautiful, uh, as in her mother. Uh, but secondly, it makes no sense. Um, she must have been talking about the adopted one there. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, my earliest memory, I remember, I think I was about to turn four, and I was very excited. Like, I remember running around the house, going, I'm turning four tomorrow. Um, and I have a vague memory of, like, being on a trip somewhere and having a shower um and like the bottom was like like one of these ones where it's kind of almost like a bath shower and the water was filling up and I was scared mm. and I would have only been a couple of years old <laughs> there um but yeah like I don't remember as a baby like you know like and I mean do you, has George Lucas again is this one of these things he's ever explained like I mean I get the whole notion of hey we've got to kill Padme off basically at the end of the tril at the end of you know part three episode three because there's no sense that Padme's going to be alive in any other aspects of it but. Mm. Can they not keep her alive for a couple of years or something like that? Well, or, you know, I think fans would like. Okay, here's the other thing: we mentioned the Mon Mothma character earlier. Mm-hmm. Before Revenge of the Sith came out, there was suddenly this large group of people that said Mon Mothma is actually Padme taking on a new identity. That she lies about her death, and that she, so there were fans who took it really seriously that Padme lived and became Mon Mothma. So, in a way, I mean, you got to put some of the... You could simply issue a press statement and say, that's not true, but people always have their theories. So, maybe he actually included that in there to be like, no, she really is dead. But you could... You, there's a thousand defenses you could have for this. You could say, she has force powers. I mean, Anakin, you know, could sense things. Uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, they could all sense things. Maybe when you're attuned with the Force, you know you can look back on things like that. Or maybe Padme visited her from the beyond the grave. Maybe she she got to the afterlife and she's like, "Qui Gon, haven't seen you for a while." <laughs> yes, it is me, Padme. Let me show you how to commune with the living. <laughs> we never know. And then Padme goes, "I do not approve." Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, I mean, but, like, who knows? I mean, there legitimately could be a line in uh, Rise of Skywalker where this is explained with, like, they could have filmed a Carrie Fisher yeah. line where she could say, like, you know, I have trained myself with the Force and I didn't realise I had it. You know, that's why I could have visions of my mm-hmm. mother as a baby. Like, In all seriousness, that sounds incredibly cheesy, but 
in a way, that's... I mean, they made a fucking whole movie about fixing a plot hole called Rogue One. So, like, I mean, there's, yeah. there's no <laughs> meaning that they can't do it. But it just... It just it makes me wonder, like, with George Lucas when he's writing the prequels and kind of, you know, thinking, like, okay, this is what's going to happen to Padme. This is how Luke and Leia are going to be born. Like, surely George Lucas, of all people, would know. Because I think he did a pretty good job in filling in most of the gaps. Like, there are definitely some yeah. questionable... and there's a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just... This is a big moment. This isn't just, like, a throwaway line that the fans have picked up on. Or it's not, like, Han shot first, where it's kind of like, you know... I'm sure no one would have thought that would have been a moment that people give a shit about when they did that. <laughs> it's, I mean, this is legitimately a, a big, like, huh? Like, that makes no sense. Like, it just, it makes no sense at all. But anyway, this is why we have podcasts to debate this sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, like, the, 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 the really creepy moment, though, I think, is where Leia's like, I've known. I've always known. It's like, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you made out with him uh, like a movie ago. So that, to me, also is just way creepy. Like, just, I don't know. So <laughs> what you're saying is that it's Alderaan that's actually the Tasmania yes, of the Star Wars Galaxy. It definitely, it definitely is. <laughs> My father, Jimmy Smith, taught me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, when Luke just, like, buggers off. And then, yeah, the whole, like, we talked about the dramatic head turn from Luke, but then we get the second dramatic head turn here from Leia when, like, could you tell Luke? Is that who you can tell? And she's just like, I, oh, and she just, the way she turns her head. Yeah. And I love Like, it, it would be bad in a soap opera. Let's be honest. Like, this isn't just, oh, this is bad for Star Wars. In a regular run-of-the-mill soap opera, that's bad acting. But even, like, um, Han, when he's just like, ah. And he just, like, goes to walk off. Yeah. And then you look at Leia's face, and she looks like she's, like, hanging a turd. She's like, oh, like, she's got this like, strain <laughs> on her face. And then, like, Han comes back, and he's all like, you know, oh, I'm sorry. And then, yeah, the, hold me. <laughs> like, it's just, oh. But, like, I mean, is this another one of these things? Like, these, I don't know if I want to say meta things. That's probably not the right word. But, like, we talked about how we've got whiny Luke, and we've got whiny Anakin, right? Like, father, like son. Mm-hmm. Like, was hold me like you did on the lakes of Naboo. Is is that a deliberate yeah. thing? Like, is this George Lucas deliberately going, well, hang on a minute. When Leia had that hold me line, like, like mother, like daughter. Like, there you go. <laughs> like, the, hold me. Um, yeah, no, I, I this little moment there. But everything else with the Ewoks, I'm I'm completely fine with Ewoks. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm a happy Ewok man. <laughs> Yub nub. That's what the beard was for. <laughs> Is this, and is this, there's one of the moments with the Ewoks, like with their language, where they, one of them goes, Jabba, Jabba, Jabba. And I'm like, are they talking about Jabba the Hutt? Like, yeah. Well, forget that we're, we're about to get into another scene. And I picked up on this the first time that I watched the trilogy after seeing The Phantom Menace. Uh, it's not one of the Ewoks, but when they um, are saying like, oh, there's there's another side on the, or there's another entrance on the other side of the, the, the you know, ridge or whatever over here. When 3 people talking, he goes, Nabu, Aku Tak Tak. I'm like, Nabu! <laughs> That's where they're going. <laughs> Nabu! <laughs> um, anything else to add on that? Or could no, be done no, with it? Like, you, you want to move on? I'm You're, you're the lord and master <laughs> emperor of this episode. So, you know, go for it. All right, good. Um, okay, so now we get into the really good stuff. So... I said the first act of this movie, it's essentially just all filler. It could have been an episode of, you know, a TV series. Second act is kind of a mess. None of it really belongs. A couple good sequences. Really nothing bad from this point on. I may have handled some of it a little bit differently, but this is the this is the good stuff here. So Luke 
finally comes to Vader here. So he goes to Shield Generator Central or whatever this is. And uh, the guards lead him in. It's like, this is the rebel who surrendered to us. Although he denies it, I think there might be more of them. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I love this guy. This guy, but the, I just, I just wanna, I'm going to forget. This guy, like, is the, the teacher's pet of the emperor because, like, you know, he all of a sudden, like, Vader's like, good work. You can just see this guy getting in the elevator, like, all serious, and all of a sudden the door's closed. He's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, he likes me. He likes me. He really likes me. I'm getting a promotion. Uh, I'm going to text Larry. Larry, Vader just said I did a good job. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, he, he, he it really is the way he is it's like although i think and he's like he was armed only with this <laughs> good work commander <laughs> he's like yes score one for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, I, this guy's a bonus this month <laughs> someone's getting dental <laughs> um we have the Luke Vader scene here. I mean, every scene that Luke gets from this point on, like Mark Hamill nails. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just love the change in voice we get for James Earl Jones. Like, uh, nobody will ever say anything bad about James Earl Jones. But let's be honest, he's doing, you know, essentially like the, the same type of acting you would do in a cartoon. He's just delivering the lines. He's not even delivering it to the actors. The, the, he's matching the movements of David Prowse. There's not a lot of room to really create a performance. And yeah, he has the most iconic voice in movie history. But you can never really say, oh, there's a lot of layers to his performance. It's not a full-fledged performance. But like he gives a full-fledged performance in this scene. You know, when he says uh, to him, I think he calls him son or something like that, or Luke calls him father. So you've accepted the truth. (laughs) He's, He's still Vader mode there. And then when he says, oh, I've accepted you once, Anakin Skywalker, my father, here we get, like, the flip side of, from a certain point of view, he gets almost angry, he points to me, that name no longer has any meaning for me. <laughs> That's when Luke needs to turn around and go, oh, really? Well, should I bring up sand? Don't you bring up that sand. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, notice the shift in his delivery here of all these lines. Mm. And let's give credit to David Prowse, too, because it's not just as simple as you put on a suit. I mean... David Prowse acted this character the way you would in a silent film. Every line, yeah, some of it's just dramatic hand gestures like, Obi-Wan, that leads to the dark side. (laughs) But he had to be able to give a performance not knowing what the vocals would be like later on. And he really nails it here, like when he puts his hand in Luke's face or when he just turns away here as he's saying, it's a name of your true self you've only forgotten. And he's saying, like, uh, I, I know you'll take me there. But he turns away, and it's almost like he's crossing his arms, like, oh, I'm feeling very emotional all of a sudden. I don't know how to handle this, you know? And his voice completely changes, where he even says, that Obi-Wan once thought as you did, mm. uh, which... That line, I guess, is one thing that doesn't really pay off because we never had a moment where Obi-Wan says to Anakin, you're just so good in you, Anakin, you know? He said it to Yoda, but there's never a moment in the fight scene. It's basically him saying, Anakin, what you're doing is wrong! <laughs> but if we had one line, maybe we'd make it, have it make more sense here. He could have said, your mother once thought as you did. I'm sure it'll add that in some future edition. Uh, oh, but when I he says you don't... No, sorry, I brought it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Luke has the overconscious here. He's like, that's why you couldn't kill me before. That's why he won't bring me to your emperor now. And then I love that like, you only see Luke, and all you hear is the lightsaber turn on. You see the glow of it. 
And Luke almost like, oh no, <laughs> he's gonna kill me right now. Like, and he's like, I see you've constructed a new lightsaber. When he says, you know, um, uh, I, I mentioned the, the the line where he, the, you don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. We still don't have the full payoff for that, and that's what I'm really hoping we get. You know, where Kylo Ren maybe can't turn later on. I think I still think that this is you know the payoff of him wanting that power to give life and maybe he's still thinking hey i could bring padme back to life or he's thinking if i have this power i could live forever myself but it all goes down to that he didn't want to turn to the dark side which is why we had anakin's tear in revenge of the sith after he'd killed all those people he still knew it was wrong he knew he knows it's wrong here but it's that you know that power of uh, this is something i need and i can't turn back now uh, and, and it gives Vader an arc that we never had up until this point. Mm. You know, Empire Strikes Back, He's there's no talk about turning him. And there's only a brief mention of it earlier on in the scene with Luke and, and Obi-Wan. So you kind of forget that like they wait this late in the entire trilogy to have any conflict in Vader. And yet, between David Prowse and James Earl Jones, they pull it off so effortlessly. It doesn't feel like it's tacked on, but it is really tacked on at the last minute. Um, he basically says, no, I'm taking you to the Emperor. And then my father is truly dead. <laughs> um, we cut to the liftoff, which I always like that, like, you see Vader's shuttle land at night right before they present Luke to him. And then the next morning when Han and Leia and the Rebels are all coming up on the shield generator, you see the thing lifting off. And it's like, you know, you kind of just connect the dots like, hey, that's Luke leaving right there. Um, but they don't obviously don't know that. And, uh, you know, Han's saying, oh, this is going to be really hard. Or I think somebody else says, don't worry, Chewie and me have gotten into much, you know, uh, tighter places than this. And I just want to see the lay eye roll there again. It's like, Chewie and me will take care of this. <laughs> oh, great. There he goes again. So this is where we get the Nabu Akutak Tak. <laughs> There's a secret entrance on the other side. They quickly cut back to Lando and the fleet as they're about to go into hyperspace. Um, we get introduced to Lando's co-pilot, and nobody can pronounce his name. They even make fun of that in Honest Trailer. Nianunbu, or whatever it is. Now, great look for the character. Uh, the language is what's interesting. There's an interesting trivia fact that uh, I don't know if many people even know this. Uh, all the languages in Star Wars are based on something. Like Ben Burt, who's the sound designer. We gotta give, It's too bad we can't give shout-outs to all the behind-the-scenes people here, but like, like Ben Burt, who was with this series from the beginning, he created R2's dialect through listening to a baby uh every language what he would do is he would listen to a language a real language and then have somebody imitate it and so you're not the actual words aren't you know this is from whatever dialect this is but it would have the same sound so they all sound like oh this sounds like its own dialect it is distinctly different the ewok language is distinctly different from the hut you know dialect uh, Nia Nun is the only character that is actually speaking in a real language. I can't even remember what country it was from, but the actor they got to do the voice of him was from some country, or the, like they had interviewed somebody from this really obscure country, and they loved the sound of it, and they said, this is an extremely obscure dialect in whatever country let's just use the real thing. And it's kind of like a little Easter egg. So all of Nia Nen's lines, when he's talking to Lando, he's not even subtitled throughout the movie. 
but he's responding to Lando in real lines. And when this movie played in whatever country this dialect was from, people were like erupting with applause because they're like, that's our language. He's speaking our language in a movie. And the fact that they don't subtitle is what makes it more interesting because we have him saying the real lines back. It wasn't like they just said, like they could have done this. Uh, movies often, they'll put little things, uh, Rocky Five. you've never seen the Rocky movies, Rocky Five, there's like this montage where they're showing all these newspaper clippings of stuff that's going on in the boxing world. And if you actually freeze frame it, you can see the headlines are real, but then they just cut a real story out of the newspaper that's completely unrelated. So it would be like, you know, Rocky Balboa's pupil is now 2-0. and And then you start reading the article underneath it. It's like, gas prices went up again this week. <laughs> it's like, totally takes the movie. So you get those movies where they'll, you know, take a headline, but then the rest of it, they're just fudging it all. You know, it's, it's not real. Um, and it takes you out of the movie if you actually want to freeze frame that. So here they have a real person speaking a real language and he's actually reading the lines that this character would be saying to lando in the movie so you know that's just a cool little addition they had there um back on endor here have you noticed where han trips uh no i have never noticed where han trips so you rewatch this if you feel like it but right as they're coming up like they're ducking like han's kind of in his sneaky position and the Ewoks are showing them where this back door is. And as Han, Han's coming up on this, I don't know if he takes a branch to the face or something, but you see him like really stumble. And it's just, it, it's like the stormtrooper hitting his head. Like I caught that. And now it's like, it's, it always makes me laugh when I see it. Um, but I love he speaks to the Ewoks. I'm like, Yo! He's like, back door, huh? Good idea. <laughs> and they're about to sneak in his back door. And then three people's like, oh no, it looks like our little friend has gone and done something rather rash. And we get to the Ewok stealing the bike, which I think this could have also maybe played a little less comically as he steals the bike and is like, hey, you get back here. <laughs> and then you have him like, you know, holding onto the thing, flying through the. <laughs> like, don't complain about yippies unless you're willing to call out the. <laughs> Uh, the chase is on for the little Ewok, so they got rid of a couple of the guards. Han goes up, and of course, the only way you could ever get past these people, tap them on the back. <laughs> hey, you! <laughs> right around the corner, and then you're ambushed with the 300 soldiers that fit in the back of that tiny little shuttle. It's not great. I'm sorry. Um, the order here, we get a lot of cutting back and forth because the, the, the three climaxes happen simultaneously here, so I'll... I'll kind of group some of it together, but I'll try to keep it together as best I can. They break into the shield generator. Um, the Emperor scene that's going on when they get back, like this is my favorite dialogue scenes in the movie. And every line the Emperor has is like so quotable. So when he's basically saying to Luke, Luke, you must turn to the dark side and goes, you know, no, you're gravely mistaken. Soon I'll be dead and you with me. And he's like, perhaps you refer to the imminent attack by your rebel fleet. And he's like, an entire legion of my best troops is waiting for them. He's got so many great lines here. And he goes, uh, your overconfidence is, like Luke says to him, your overconfidence is your weakness. And Emperor goes back, your faith in your friends is yours. Yes. <laughs> and then the greatest part, like maybe my favorite Emperor line of all time, when he's going on and on about his plan. This was all my design because I foreseen it. <laughs> He goes, oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. <laughs> um, so Luke all of a sudden is looking very defeated. 
Uh, back on the shield generator, we get the Willem scream, <laughs> where he's like, hey, you, stop there. Let me just throw something at him. And the guy topples over comically. <laughs> and then, as just as you think they've got the shield generator under control, they all pull the, the, around the corner. These guys that the Emperor had said, I have foreseen something. You must stay there until they've taken it and then take it back. You rebel scum. <laughs> That's a racial slur. Now, rebel scum. Like. It must be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, just because I'm Corellian, I'm scum? Yes. <laughs> this is like the, the, the Star Wars version of the word ghetto. You know, like, it's, it's just not an appropriate term anymore. <laughs> Corellian scum. Uh, but like this guy too. Very much overact, you rebel scum. There is a deleted moment here because there was an extended sequence of this breaking into the shield generator. The camera cuts here, but the scene actually continued where Han looks at him and goes, scum? (laughs) It's just, it's kind of funny, but like didn't belong in the movie. Um, All the battle stuff is going to happen here. We can kind of just group together. Uh, The Endor stuff, so... They take them, round them up all outside. They think they're defeated. All of a sudden, C-3PO, Oh, you over there! Were you looking for me? <laughs> and then, they're like, bring them down here. All of a sudden, the Ewoks come out. Ah! Battle cry. Sticks to the head. Uh, <laughs> blaster bolts everywhere. None of them land on Ewoks. A couple of Ewoks die. So, I mean, a little bit of violence here. And the Ewok battle erupts. Some really dumb moments. Like, the, the worst one for me is not the, you know, logs knocking this thing. It's when the Ewoks swing on their ropes and knock the stormtroopers off the hill. And then they just are beating on them with sticks. Um, the, the, the flying Ewok glider that just drops the rocks on them. They're like, whoa! <laughs> you could pull this off and just bring something to end. There are moments, like... The moment where, you know, the Ewok gets shot and the other one goes to check on him and realizes, no, he's dead. That's good. The Ewok's trying to trip the thing with the, the string and being dragged behind it. Whoa! Like, none of this stuff is good. Um, they end up kind of getting defeated in the battle. Uh, they get stuck, uh, or I guess at the door here first, and... Um, uh, Han hotwires the thing because R2 gets blasted. Uh, we do eventually get the payoff of the um, the, uh, the I love you line here where they corner them. After the, yeah, after they you know, have the failed hotwiring attempt here, they corner them and uh, Han sees that Leia has a gun. So, oh, we can still defend ourselves. And he goes, I love you. And she looks at him and goes, I know. And then shoots the guy. Uh, I also wonder about their armor because, like, these blasts don't go into them. Like, it just leaves, a, 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 like, a little burn mark on their chest. So, like, how does this knock them out? Shouldn't the armor just be weakened at that point? Like, yeah. like it doesn't really make sense. They're actually going to go inside the shield generator and, I guess, finish their plan here, but that battle's pretty much over. Um, space battle, really not much to talk about here other than just a lot of really great action uh lando you know flying the shooting the ship i i I love billy d williams performance like again he kind of gets short uh short changed with his role in this movie but uh, he can pull off a guy who doesn't speak english like some of the lines he has here uh like uh, how could they be german this if this if they didn't know 
we were coming. <laughs> Break up the attack. And and I just and I just love some of the battle strategies here. Like even though it's just all ships flying through the air, you know, the fact that they're like draw them away from our cruisers and then, you know, as they knock the star destroyers out, we might just take a few of them with us and we can't repel firepower of that magnitude. We get Admiral Akbar's famous It's a trap <laughs> Which has now become like the most quotable line ever in Star Wars. Um, the, as the battle, they're just sort of trying to preserve their fleet. Don't worry, handle how the generator down. We gotta give them more time. <laughs> he, he can pull off the overacting. I love it. And Admiral Akbar is great too. Like I remember, um, there's another character that, before the it's the trap thing became famous. Uh, yeah, I remember talking to people, you know, about Star Wars, people who knew a lot about Star Wars. I'm like, oh yeah, and Admiral Akbar. Like, who's Admiral Akbar? Like the squid guy who says it's a trap. They're like, uh. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And I did meet him, and it, I, I mentioned the story already, but I'll remind people again, we get the Force, Force Awakens. It was great meeting him, because he's done a lot of other characters uh, outside of even just the Star Wars movies, Tim Rose. Such a funny guy. Like, I don't know if he actually did the, 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 the voice of Admiral Ackbar. He, he, did he do Howard the Duck? Is that, are you talking about Admiral Ackbar guy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did Howard the Duck. Yes, no. Okay, I mean, I, I, the one I talked to him about was um, Return to Oz, which is like the 80s sequel to The Wizard of Oz. It was like a very dark movie, uh, but had a lot of like great puppets. And he played like this robot uh, security guard named TikTok. Uh, but yeah, really cool guy to meet too. Um, and, and he, of course, gives a big spoiler, which wasn't he, he wasn't supposed to tell <laughs> when we get to Force Awakens. Um, I get to retell that story. Um, but eventually Han uh, needs to get inside the shield generator. Uh, the doors are locked. The walker uh, comes before them. They think that they're going to be blasted away. So they open it up and it's Chewie inside. Oh, I got a plan. Uh, we should also mention Chewie swings through the air and has a Tarzan yell. So <laughs> that didn't originate in the prequels, originated here. But I didn't mind that too, like the little Tarzan thing. It's, it's kind of fun. Um, the plan is basically... Han goes in there, covers his face with the walkie-talkie. It's over. The rebels are fleeing into the forest. Now, they they have no security cameras outside. <laughs> They've got one view screen to just wait there for somebody to give them the co- Okay, the battle's over. It's okay to come out, guys. Uh, they open up the doors, and they get cornered because they open up, and there's a bunch of teddy bears. Now, these guys haven't seen these teddy bears. Like, they're of no threat until they actually hit you, and they're just like, It's teddy bears everywhere! It's time to give up. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I don't love the ground battle stuff, really. Uh, all, uh, some fun moments. Like, I think the action's great. I think the effects are great. I love the walkers here, the, the, the two, the ATSTs, the, the two-legged walkers, when it gets that kind of wobbly thing and it eventually crashes, like some of the cool effects. But uh, also having two of your main characters not involved in the real climax. like Because their story ends when they open the door here and they go inside, and they throw a bunch of, you know, charges inside, and then they run away and blow it up. And they're just done. And you've still got, like, 15 minutes left of the movie, and Han and Leia and Chewie and 3PO and R2 got, like, nothing to do. Um, the ships get to fly in. Uh, they're great effects here. Like, I had somebody, uh, this was around the time of, like, Attack of the Clones, I think, who was criticizing the effects. And I said, you can't knock the effects of Return of the Jedi. There are a few shots here and there, but when you look at the space battle... We talked about how complicated that one shot was with like eight ships mm. in the asteroid field chase. 
three years later, you have like a hundred ships on screen at the same time, and they're all doing these moves all over the place. You got, you know, the the rebel, the giant rebel cruisers. You got star destroyers. We get the death of Admiral Piet here uh, as the uh, you know uh, ship comes crashing into them. Uh, the, uh, the the shields are down. We take one more direct hit. We're done for. And then that guy ah, <laughs> crashing in there. It's gonna blow. <laughs> Um, I, I don't really care for the shot where the Star Destroyer lowers into the Death Star because you just see this giant flame that goes up, which doesn't look like something that should happen in space. This flame shooting up in the air and just continuing to burn. Uh, but the effects when they go in, like, as much as I love the Death Star trench run in A New Hope, I think visually when Lando's ship goes in here, it's even better because they're in such closed quarters and they're making all these tight turns. Like, it, it always gets my heart racing. It's really intense. Uh, and um, when they get into like that that big open dome where the you know the reactor is, like it just looks right. And I love the the video game. I can't remember which video game it was where you got to play that. Didn't we? Um, wasn't that but the one we game. did in the Mall of America? Wasn't that the one that I did in that little capsule? You remember the? Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I fucked up and didn't yeah, so that... didn't win. <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, that's where I remember it from. That's right. Um, but uh, I mean, I really want them to do like a new Rogue Squadron or Starfighter game where it's mm. just the original trilogy bats, you know, uh, or include any of them. Like they kind of stopped making Star Wars games, and I think there's there, there'd be such a great opportunity to go back and just do Star. Because I loved even like the the prequel ones, like Starfighter and then Jedi Starfighter. Like those are great games, and every time there's a Star Wars game, I always want to do the flying stuff. Uh, so this is sort of like if you could do you know, all the Death Star battles. There's also like a Star Wars arcade game where you can choose any of three battles. And, uh, you know, I, I think I actually played this one but never got into the Death Star part. Uh, like I did the outside stuff where you're just blasting ships but never this part. But, yeah, it just looks visually incredible. Um, they're going to fly out of this thing after blowing the reactor. And this is where as the flame catches up on the ship and they lose that satellite dish you know, Hanim said that was, or Lando, that was too close. Uh, whether it was filmed or not, this is where he was originally going to die. I kind of want to leave the Luke stuff to kind of wrap up in its own segment. So anything you want to add on uh, all the rest of the battle stuff here, the Endor stuff, the space battle stuff, and then we'll, the Luke section really has to be its own part here. I do love the, um, yeah, the, the Vader Luke scene uh, on the planet and, yeah, like, it's really the first, as you said, the vulnerability of Vader. And I think kind of that's what the prequels adds to this moment, is kind of all of that. And I agree. I think, like, it will be very interesting to see if, you know, J.J. Abrams keeps saying the Rise of Skywalker that, you know, he's going to connect everything and, I guess, like, you know, bring everything to a close. And I think it would make perfect sense if we do get this hopeful uh, Hayden Christensen scene and or even a Vader scene mm-hmm. and just kind of have this tied in because it would it would make it so much this scene more um you know weighted if yeah he's kind of having these second thoughts because ultimately you know one of the main reasons he did turn to the dark side was because of this whole ability to bring back Padme to life or keep her alive essentially so um yeah, I mean, that would be epic. That would be really, really good to tie all that into each other. And again, that could lead us to a Padme appearance in... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'm telling you now, if that happens, you'll be happy. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even if I hear the word 
Padme. Like I've already I've already thought about this. That if I'm sitting in that cinema right and I see Hayden Christensen, I am gonna like lose my shit. I'm gonna scream. I'm gonna jump up. I'm gonna be like yes. Uh, I'm gonna be so happy. <laughs> like the only other time I remember that was when Noah and I went and saw Spectre and they had the gun barrel at the beginning. We're both like yes. Um, like there's a gun barrel. Um, I'm gonna be sad. I'm gonna be the only one in that cinema and everyone's gonna be like ah oh, shit. It's him. I'm gonna be like ah oh, it's Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Uh, and then they'll say, like, Padme. I'm like, ah, Padme! Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a sports game. Anyway, um, but it will work. I also like when um, Vader, like, when Luke gets taken into the elevator and Vader kind of, he almost has his dramatic Days of Our Lives head turned because he just stands on, yeah. the, stands on the rail with a dramatic look away. Pours himself, like, a glass of brandy. <laughs> But I also, I want the deleted scene of Luke in the elevator with the stormtroopers. Just like, you know, silence. And all of a sudden Luke's like, you know, I've worn one of your suits before. It's like, shut up, prisoner. <laughs> it's like, do, do you not find Aren't it? you a little short to be wearing it? You know, the, um, is it Spider-Man 2 when he's in the um, elevator? And it's like, oh yeah, it chafes like a bitch or whatever it is when he's talking about the costume. Like, I want Luke to turn around and say to the stormtrooper, like, you know, I wore one of them once. God, it's a bitch on the balls, isn't it? <laughs> and like, Prisoner, you're right. They're really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, Gets kind of itchy. Yeah. It rides up in the crotch a little. Yeah. Um, I've never noticed the Han trip, although I did kind of I've looked at it a little bit. The, the the two lines that always have bothered me in this final sequence is, I hate the way C-3PO is like, you know, oh, there's a secret back door on the other side of that ridge or whatever it is. And they kind of like freeze frame on his face and then they do the wipe. And then like later on when they do the Han Solo bit when it's like, I've got an idea. And they kind of leave it on a bit of a smirk on his face and they kind of like edit it away Mm -hmm. from it. Those bits always have kind of bothered me. Um, The special effects of the Millennium Falcon, like kind of flying with the rebel ships when they come out of hyperspace, I think they look fantastic. So I don't know how they come. Oh, yeah. Good. Now, um... Obviously, we love Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. All that sort of good stuff. Who's the guy, the co-pilot of Lando? Yeah, that's Nien Nun. Nien Nun, right. Okay. That's the language guy, yeah. The, right, the language guy. So, Mallory, when she sees him, straight away says... She knew the language. Yeah, she did. She spoke fluent <laughs> Nien Nun. Um, <laughs> straight away, she was like, oh, he looks like two pieces of ham put together. <laughs> So I had to share that. And now that I've seen, now that she said that, I'm like, you're not wrong. Um, I, yeah, no, as soon as you said that, I got it. <laughs> so with the language thing, so like, I've always assumed, so he doesn't speak Spanish here? It sounds like he's speaking Spanish. No, um, I, I wonder if I could actually find what the language is here. It really sounds, uh, I've but... always just assumed he's Spanish. That's what I've just always thought. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I love. Again, I just love the fact that they all of a sudden are like, oh no, one of our little friends have gone there and then just like the cartoonish stormtroopers, look over there! And then they just said like 20 <laughs> stormtroopers after one freaking Ewok. Like, oh, it's just, I shouldn't, you know, it is dumb, but I just love it. Like, it's just, I love these stormtroopers' ineptability of just being absolutely ridiculously stupid. And my favourite bit is when all of a sudden this, like, one solitary stormtrooper is, like, chasing them. And when he comes around the corner and you got, like, your 300 rebels who just stand there, and this stormtrooper just, just stops and goes, oh, well, I better give up. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it's not like, 
back. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? They'll never give in to you. He's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> just his body language. It's just so funny. One thing I actually noticed on this rewatch too is that there's one of these long shots when you see all the rebels. One of the rebels is in a stormtrooper uniform. Did you Have you ever noticed that? No. There, there's a stormtrooper, a rebel in a stormtrooper uniform because he's got the helmet off. And like it's kind of a real blink in your music. I'm going to have to see if I can see what timestamp it is. But I, it's just, it's really random that you just kind of see this. Um, I do, yeah, I do love Wilhelm Scream Guy when he just falls into the <laughs> pit of whatever it is. Um, and yeah, I love the Luke uh, Emperor scene, you know, and you're, you're trusting in your friends is yours. It's kind of like, ooh, I know you are, but what am I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, too, that I notice as well, like with this desk, this moment, this area where like the Emperor is, he's kind of like on an elevated platform on like a pole on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. I've never noticed that before. I thought he was just like in a Yeah, window. the spire. Yeah, like that's kind of cool. And also I like uh, the Emperor when he's like, leave us to his um, to his guards. What do you think those guards go and do at that point? Do you think they like go to the break room, take the <laughs> helmet off? And it's like, oh God, I didn't think he was going to ask us to leave for a while. The shift's early. Oh, how you going? Yeah, good. You watched a game last night? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> oh, I've got a text from someone. Oh, it's from Frank on Endor. Oh, Vader's happy with me getting a promotion. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't happen to a better guy. <laughs> There's one guy that's been waiting for that promotion for a long time. <laughs> Frank. Good on him. Do you think we're getting dental anytime soon, George? Oh. <laughs> I heard whispers. Oh, what's this you heard about this new faction starting up? First Order? It's like a backup plan? <laughs> <laughs> don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's one of these ra- random whispers, you know. Yeah. Oh, I believe they're getting coffee cake in the lunchroom B712. Oh, do you want to head down there? Sure. I don't think the Emperor will need us anytime soon. Okay, let's just, let's just jump in elevator C. We'll, we'll be there in 20. Uh, oh, what are those ships flying over there? They look like rebel ships. No, don't be silly. Don't be silly. <laughs> the Emperor would have foreseen it. <laughs> Oh, we think way too much about the logistics of the Empire and Star Wars. Oh, oh I've got a cool uniform. This, this, you've got a bit of a tear on my left uh, breast here. Oh, yeah, no. It's a real bitch to clean those ones. You better, you know, get some needle and thread into that pretty quickly. You don't want it to tear any longer. The Emperor loves his, his guards dressed well. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're really right. Yeah. yeah. How's the kids? Oh, yeah, good. Yep, yep. Little Jimmy learned to walk this way. Oh, fantastic. Good for Jimmy. Yeah. Still out. It's the office of the Empire. <laughs> Still living on Mustafa? Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, yep, it's going good for him. Yep, yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite like the heat, but, you know, better than Hoth. You know, we tried living on Hoth for six months. So the, the winters were a bitch. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> Could imagine, yeah. yeah. <gasps> anyway, uh, <laughs> oh god, these are why they go for five hours. Um, but I say, um, the 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 space battle stuff uh, is fantastic. Um, I love Wedge being back because you know, oh yeah, Wedge is Wedge. And another thing too, like I noticed the um, what are the so you've got the X wings, you've got the Y wings. What are the vertical ones? Like the sort of the tall looking ones. They kind of look like the bombers in Return of the Jedi. They've got that shape about them. What are those? Do you know what those ones are? Um, I, I can't figure out your description, but there's both A wings and there's B wings. The A wings are um, the ones that look more like a Jedi starfighter without the the side wings. Mm. The B wings are the ones that are almost like bubble ships. 
Oh, no. These are sort of... They almost look like a... Almost like a skyscraper vertical. Like they're kind of... They're flying that way and then... It's, it's the B-Wing you're talking B-wing, about. B-Wing, probably, yeah. There's, there's the one shot that I absolutely love. It's kind of... When they're flying towards the Death Star and then all of a sudden the TIE fighters start flying at them and you've just got that one shot of all the TIE fighters like flying towards the window, I think it's the Millennium Falcon, and you just see like pew, 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 pew. And then you just got this like cutaway shot where you've got the Death Star in the background. Oh, and just amazing oh, shot. Looks amazing. Looks so, so good. Um, and also I love how like people complain about, you know, oh, it's so easy for them to destroy the Death Star in this one, you know, when the last one they had to find this and that and everything else. They do realise that the Death Star's like, what, two-thirds complete here. So it's like a construction site. So, like, it's easy for them to fly into the centre. I'm sure when this Death Star is finished, there's going to be none of these gaps in the middle of the Death Star, right? Like, that's why it's kind of easy for them to go in and destroy this up. Because if you're building, you know, a new building, if you're building a new building, like, you walk into it in the construction zone, you can walk smack bang into the centre of a new building. Whereas if, when it's finished, you can't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're have a new house under construction, you know, often they don't have the doors in yet, so yeah. you just have a piece of plastic over. It, but the walls are up. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I don't see why people complain that this is like, oh, compared to the first one, it's so easy. Um, I the Ewoks. Like, I've, first of all, I'll say, like, I've, I said this plenty of times in Phantom Menace, and I've said it before as well. Like, I, I love how you've got like three things happening here all at once. I know some people complain mm-hmm. about this. They complain about it in the Phantom Menace, but I like it. I like it just makes this spot go by so quickly. Yeah. And every single time you've got one it looks fantastic. Um actually just quickly before I go to uh, Endor, I love the dialogue from random pilots. We've got that one guy who's just like, there's too many of them. Like he almost sounds yeah. like William Shatner, like just the way he says it. And there's then- um Oh, I was just going to say, there's a, uh, on the Blu-rays, there's a deleted scene reel that goes for nine minutes of just everything they filmed. And they would just roll a camera and say, okay, say this line, say this line, say this line. And they would just pull whatever they want from them. There's a female pilot. Like, they say, well, there's no female pilots. They did film a female pilot, and for whatever reason, it didn't make the cut. But, uh, yeah, like, there's there's a ton of great footage of you, like, stuff like that, where you can see them just like, uh, oh, there's too many of them. And then, okay, now I want you to say, uh, oh, it's coming right at me. Oh, it's coming right at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's also, there's one guy in one of the, uh, the ships who's wearing makeup. I swear to God, he's wearing makeup. He looks like Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, like, and good for him. I'm glad he was comfortable enough to wear the makeup when he got in his fighter. Like, that's great. But discriminate in the Rebel Alliance. He's one of the ones wearing the green. Like, he's in one of the green sort of uh, fighter pilots. Mm. You you have to see it. Like, it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I definitely, going back to my love of the Ewoks, I do see the complaints here about, like, you know, going back to my point about what is the point of Stormtrooper armor? Because they just go down like yeah. little bitches with sticks and rocks. It makes no sense. But I think it's the honest trailer for this. They kind of, you know, point out that there are numerous battles in history where primitive forces have beaten more, you know, technologically advanced. Like you mentioned Vietnam, of course, before, but, mm-hmm. you know, they mentioned, you know, it, it's happened in the past. Like, this is a thing that's happened in history. These so-called primitive beings with, you know, less technology than, you know, the modern forces with advanced weapons, they can get defeated. Um, but, I mean... I can see the complaints. I still enjoy it for what it is because it's just kind of funny, like, when you've got, like, an Ewok on the foot of one of the walkers, like, banging it with a stick, like, going, no, don't walk, mm-hmm. don't walk. Um, I also, <laughs> like, the 
ingenuity of like having Ewoks put logs on the ground so these like you know it falls down on the ground. <laughs> like it's kind of it's the Emperor's own fault here because I mean the, logistically these walkers aren't the greatest things. Like, I think we talked about that in Empire Strikes Back, didn't we, or in Rogue One that. You know, and at least in the the Clone Wars, when we had those big sh- flying ships dropping the tanks on the ground, uh, like they kind of made a bit more sense than these things with just two legs. This is why you don't actually have military with tanks that have just legs, because you can kind <laughs> of beat them. Um, I love Chewie when he gets in the Walker, and then he's kind of in there with the Ewok, he's going like. Like just yeah. <laughs> he's yelling at him. I'm trying. I'm trying. And then he has that moment when he like blows up another walker. And he's like, <laughs> like he's like yeah. Tim Allen. It's <laughs> <Just> like. <laughs> um, how does R- is it ever explained how R two D two can just like roll through this forest? Like, are they just paths designated for R two D two? Um, also, R2-D2 getting destroyed kind of gets overlooked here when he gets, like, blown up because, like, five minutes later, he's fine. Um, I've never understood how he gets fixed because you don't see that. Um, yeah, the the whole battle thing when they fly into the, the Death Star and they blow it up, it's fantastic. And I, I love the Lando, Yahoo! When he, like, comes yeah! out of his And then um, old ham face. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ham face. <laughs> but I also like, there's one of the, the random bits I like just before Leia gets shot in the arm when Han's like, I think I got it. I think I got it. And then like the other bluff is just, and just that look at his face where he's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he, he, maybe we should we clarify. Harrison Ford phones in about 80% of this movie. There are definitely a few moments where he's classic Harrison. Uh, that's just one of them, the look on his face. Um... Yeah, I don't know if I've got anything extra to add. Oh, the the one little moment that you got to admit it's a little bit sad is when one of the Ewoks dies and then the other Ewok goes on to him and he's just like... like I said that there are some good moments. That's one of them, yeah. And the music too is fantastic. Like, uh, we're, we're getting to a scene very, very shortly where I'm going to defend the shit out of when it comes to the music and the ending of it. But um, And like even the visual effects too, I'll just say, of the when the Death Star blows up one of the Rebel ships... Uh, is great, and yeah, the I like the the star destroyers getting blown up, and you know, like falling into each other, and uh yeah, just classic, classic, classic. Um, <laughs> you know what? I I don't think I ever actually thought about this that clearly until now. All those booby traps that the Ewoks have. Those would have taken a long time to set up. They were preparing for this battle long before Luke and. Han and Leia showed up because those logs that are just all you have to do is cut the the rope and then they just you know sandwich or clap the the, the head of the 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 walker or yeah the logs that they have going down the hill like these are booby traps they set up a long time ago mm-hmm. and the empire's been here for a while so it may make the battle a little bit more believable where it's like well they had a battle plan it was just when are we going to attack so maybe they I, I, again that. I, I mean that's the thing with the ewoks yeah. you've got to assume that they they they're not dumb they know that clearly the empire have built this shield generator on their planet so yeah maybe mm-hmm. it's just a simple case of hey we know they're going to come at one point uh, we're going to do this. Oh, cool. The Rebels are here to help us, so this will be perfect way to set this up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but again, maybe throw a line of dialogue out there where three PO is you know talking to one of the Ewoks says, "You've had a plan all along, <laughs> like something, you know." Yeah. So it did because it'll make it feel a little bit less cartoony. Although you, again, I can't forgive the action. The action is way too cartoony. Can I actually just point um, out to just going back to my point about makeup person? I actually think that is the female pilot because I'm trying to find a picture of this, and actually the one that have come up. Uh, so the character is actually called Poppy Hands. Um, and it's okay. It's a female. So that is the female. So the one that I'm thinking is wearing makeup is actually the female pilot. So that makes sense now. Not to say that they can't wear makeup. I'm not saying that, but like, in this case, it was a woman. It was a woman. (laughs) So, okay. So that makes more sense there. I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just actually finding out that that was the female pilot. So there you go. Simple. Uh, so now the Luke Vader thing. Like, this is what the movie's all about for me. Um, Luke is my all-time favorite movie character. Uh, Vader is arguably the greatest movie villain of all time. Emperor is right up there, too. Uh, the way that this fight just plays out, too, I mean, it's so great because for a movie that is throwing a lot of things out there just at the end, like, there was no mention of Luke and the Emperor until you get two-thirds of the way through the movie. No mention of Luke and Vader until you get two-thirds of the way through the movie. They just throw this all together, and it's so effective the way that he like is trying to turn Luke, uh, and and almost seducing him. Like there's a great moment where he, Luke's sort of looking at his lightsaber. Luke's watching the battle happen outside and looking defeated, and the Emperor's like, "Your friends are gone. Your 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 rebellion is lost." And then Luke sort of just looks at him and sees the lightsaber there, and the Emperor. He strokes and goes, you want this? <laughs> Very seductively. It could uh, be taken in many other ways, that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, under his and robe, like, you want well, this? He was, he's like, take it. I am unarmed. <laughs> but but it, it, it's so good. And then he'll just switch it on and suddenly, strike me down with all of your hatred and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. <laughs> it's just, Ian McDermott is an incredible actor. Um, and the way that Luke, I think the first time he sort of tempts him, Luke's just like, no. And then he comes back and goes, it's inevitable. Just like your father, you are now my. <laughs> um, and he comes back the second time, and again, he's just taunting him more. And Luke's just, like, breathing heavy, and then he turns, and he just grabs the lightsaber into his hand. And you get that shot where Vader just immediately, like, as soon as Luke's got the lightsaber, Vader's is, you know, ignited. And the two lightsabers cross, and you see the X forming over the Emperor's face as he laughs. Like, <laughs> It's just, again, one of those incredible shots, even as, like, clearly cinematic as it is, and not necessarily a natural thing. Uh, the fight scene, like, the fight scenes get better with each of these movies, and... Even though, again, the choreography is not at the level of what we'd get in the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, still better than we're going to get in The Force Awakens, uh, there's so much great stuff here. It's just the intensity of the battle. Like They film it so close up, and it's not what, like in Empire Strikes Back, when they're fighting with lightsabers, it looks like a fencing match. Like We're keeping our distance. And when Vader would sort of, if you go back and watch in Empire, Vader would sort of take a step towards Luke and Luke takes a step back. It's like a sport with them. Like, you know, oh, I don't want to get hit. Here they're just going like all at it. They're, they're inches from each other and the lights are just boom, boom, boom. It's a totally different style. I just love it in this one. When Luke kicks him and Vader does like that backflip off the stairs. The Emperor's laughing. He's like, good, good. Like he's, he's like, I got you. And Luke just keeps saying like, no, 
I'm not going to turn to the dark side. He goes, uh, uh, if you're not going to turn, then you'll be destroyed. And they, they'll fight again. And when Luke is on the platform and he's saying, like, I feel good within you. Like, suddenly this thing that's never been a part of the trilogy up until now about Vader possibly turning back, it just gets very real. And uh, he said, you you couldn't bring yourself to destroy me before. And I don't believe you'll do so now. And then when Vader says, uh, uh, if you won't be destroyed, then or if you won't be uh, turned, then you'll be destroyed. And he throws his lightsaber and that platform falls. And again, just the Emperor's laugh. It's like the Joker laugh. Like, mm. it's just an iconic laugh that just makes the characters that much more evil. Uh, and then that whole scene where Vader's searching for him down there. Uh, the look on Luke's face, like just visually the acting of him when he's going on and on about, you know, especially for a sister. And then oh, he, he's I love a, that line. It's incredible. And it, when you see that, you see the blue light, like Luke's hidden in the darkness. But you see, even though he's in the darkness, one half of his face is perfectly lit with light. And the other one is with the dark blue light from one of these, like, you know, steps that have fallen. And it actually just cuts his face in half. It's, again, very cinematic. It's not necessarily natural, but it just it fits so perfectly. And the, the way Mark Hamill is just like, just his look, and he's like, if you won't turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. And that's the moment where you realize Vader had no idea. When I was a kid, I didn't get that. I thought, oh, he knew about Leia the whole time? Um, or maybe he didn't know it was Leia. He knew he had a sister. But he actually says sister like as he's he's reading his thoughts and he goes so you have a twin sister obi-wan was wise to hide her from me like that's when vader realizes oh there's a girl too you know uh and then when luke comes out with the lightsaber and he's like no and he's fighting him there's an incredible shot where the camera's following them as they're fighting across the floor like behind the staircase and the music there is just oh. like it's the first time i think you actually hear a choir singing in this it's like, doo, doo, doo. it's so good. And then he's chopping down his arm and then he cuts off his hand. Like the intensity of Mark Hamill's face. Like I really hope that people give Mark Hamill more credit as an actor now. And they go back and watch this. Uh, and then the emperor just laughing like, good, good. Luke eventually turns off the lightsaber. No, I'm never going to turn to the dark side. You've seen him do this three or four times in the movie so far. I'm not going to turn to the dark side. Oh, I'm angry. No, but I won't do it. Oh, but I'm angry again. <laughs> but just the difference in Mark Hamill's performance where he throws the lightsaber away. It's like, he's like confrontational. It's like, you failed. And how he calls him your highness. <laughs> this guy's the most, this is Hitler. It would be like, you failed, sir. <laughs> like to Hitler. You failed, your majesty. <laughs> yeah, you failed, my Fuhrer. Like, he calls him your highness here. It just always makes me laugh. Uh, and Vader doesn't fight it like he's even saying take your father's place at my side and Vader's just like give in to it Luke do it <laughs> I've always wondered like what is is Vader just so subservient that he has to go along with this the same way that Dooku when he says do it do it now to Dooku and Dooku doesn't fight back like there's something to that that I want to know about and maybe we'll get it in Rise of Skywalker uh, and eventually he realizes he's never going to turn to the dark side so be it Jedi and then you get the electrocution, like the force lightning, like it's such a great effect. And Mark Hamill, like how difficult would it be on set? There's no real lightning on set. How difficult would it be to just convulse back and forth and still have that emotion where he's like, father, please. Like it, it, it gives me chills every time I watch it. It's this moment where Vader turns back. Say whatever you want about the no. I don't care about that. 
it's the still the most effective single moment i think in the entire right up there with anakin turning the dark side the most effective single moment in the star wars trilogy and i'll say it over and over again even more so when you consider this didn't even become part of the story until two-thirds of the way through the final movie uh that moment where, where vader's just looking back and forth again david Prowse is emoting just through movement of his head you can't even see his eyes and it's just it's beautifully played and i'm gonna say i don't mind the no yeah same because it's not like he goes no it's just this no like like it's just no i'm, I'm putting my foot down and i think that it actually needs that like people will hate me for saying this because again if you grow up on something you're like oh it can only be this way but it actually works better in the scene to have him say something because you see him looking back and forth but this is a character you can't see his eyes you can't see his facial expression you i think you don't need it but it works better having him say something um he picks up the emperor he throws him down into the pit i really want emperor as he's going on the pit going oh i have foreseen this <laughs> just in the distance <laughs> You know they're going to add something. He <laughs> says, it's okay, I'll be back in 30 years' time. Just wait for the Rose of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> the bus, Disney. Um, the, the staging of the scene here where Vader's like gasping for breath, which even when his hand's cut off, he was perfectly fine. Oh, we can't even forget the moment where Luke put on that glove earlier. He cuts off Vader's hand, and then he looks and he's got the glove on his, and it's like that realization, I've already started to become him. Look at this. Everything works so good dramatically in this. I think this is what Richard Mark Wan really brings to the movie. Like, It's it's definitely not subtle, <laughs> you know, but it's so effective. When he's dragging Vader's body away, uh, where he takes his mask off, like, the actor who plays older Vader, there's going to be a problem later on, but, you know, I think he does a great job of imitating the voice, and, and they digitally remove the hair, which, again, makes sense. I mean, even before the prequels existed, it was put in the story. Vader was burned alive. Uh, I think it's better that they digitally remove it, so at least it looks like, you know... People get pissed off over the eyebrows, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he says, uh, you know, oh, don't worry, I'll save you. You already have Luke. Even as a child, like, I'm, I've said it so many times, I'm not emotional with movies. I've never cried in a movie. There's a handful of times where it kind of gives you like, oh, I'm feeling choked up here. This is one of, like, I can still watch this. You already have Luke. You were right. Tell your sister you're right. And he just dies. It's so powerful. And now you're having a third person play this character. You have David Prowse. You have James Earl Jones. You're introducing a brand new actor. And you still believe this is Vader or Anakin here. Um, Luke takes him off the Death Star or we don't see him take him off we just see Luke leave the Death Star just as it's blowing up his Lando and everybody else we're leaving uh, I want Luke to be like yippee <laughs> he's <laughs> blasting off no, the thing destroyed in the background yippee yippee now this <laughs> is pod racing <laughs> this is pod racing <laughs> um Han and Leia uh, looking at this thing blow up. I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing. He wasn't. I can feel again more bad. So I- I'm sorry. I love Carrie Fisher. I gave her so much credit in New Hope. I gave her so much credit in Empire. She phones it in as much as Harrison Ford in this movie. I'm struggling to find great Carrie Fisher moments in this movie. Um, it's like you love him, don't you? Oh yeah. And it's like all right, fine. When Luke gets back, I won't get in the way. And it's like no, you don't understand. He's my brother. And then over, he looks like, oh, 
Really? <laughs> it's not good. Then he has that I shock look on his a... face as if to say, like, oh my god, you kissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it should be. But he gets really excited by it. It's like, ooh, you're kinky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're into that, are you? Oh, let's let's role play. <laughs> um, uh, Desar blows up. Everybody celebrates. We get the the funeral for Anakin here, which is just the suit. A lot of people have assumed like the the body disappeared. Oh, I want to talk about the way this is supposed to end because I almost forgot this. I, I may have even mentioned it. I think when we uh, did one of the other episodes, I mentioned this was would have been a great way to visually do this. The first script that George Lucas wrote, I felt had a better ending. Now there was the moment where Emperor is electrocuting him, and in the original script, it actually was taking place in a volcano, and it was a pit of lava that he threw the Emperor into, but the way that scene in the, the first script played out is when he's electrocuting Luke, the script describes that you see flash, all of a sudden the, 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 there's moments where the lightning doesn't hit Luke, like he gets a moment to breathe, and there's flashes of Force Ghost Yoda and Force Ghost Obi-Wan who are physically able to block this. Um, and I always remember, like, that that would have looked incredible. Like, just one moment where you see they're still there, and th- 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 you still have power after that. Just tie them into the movie a little bit. I kind of wish they had that. But originally, when it was supposed to take place around a volcano, uh, here at the Return of the Jedi climax, not on the Death Star, Vader picks him up and basically sacrifices himself. He, he drags him into this lava, and they both sort of go down with it. And then there's a moment where Obi-Wan and Yoda, who, of course, were semi-participating in the battle, are telling Luke, you know, oh, can he be saved? And it's like, he's on the other side now. You know, it's up to him. And then they're like, oh, okay, he's safe now. It, it didn't really play well, but the idea that George Lucas always had was that, yeah, Anakin dies, but it's still a question of, you know, what happens to him after he dies. He doesn't just disappear like a Jedi. Obviously, his suit is burned here. Uh, we get the celebration, the music. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, uh, Luke joins them after burning his father's body or suit, whatever you want to say. And you see the ghosts in the distance appear of Obi-Wan, Yoda, and then you see Anakin. Now, people don't like the Hayden Christensen thing. Does it necessarily make sense? I don't know. I mean, it's a ghost. Does a ghost have to look like the way a person looked when they died? I don't think so. Um, my sister had a theory. I don't even think she read it anywhere, but she had a theory at one point where she said it actually would make sense that it would be Anakin because if you're in the Force Ghost, wouldn't your physical form be like that for whatever you were strong when you whenever you were strongest in the Force? Obi Wan, who always grew, would have been strongest in the Force when he died. Yoda, same thing, because Anakin. Even though the dark side, they say it's more seductive, it's not more powerful, Anakin would have been strongest in the Force when he was still at that young age, before he turned to the dark side. So I actually kind of like that, whether that was the intention or not, I like that better. Um, the fact that they don't change the wardrobe, because the, the the old man Anakin is wearing a Jedi robe that does not match what Anakin wore, or any Jedi wore. It's more like Obi-Wan's robe, which is not meant to be a Jedi robe. It's supposed to be this is a disguise. That doesn't match up, but I like the idea of Hayden Christensen appearing. I don't care what people say. And it's not just, oh, I like Hayden Christensen. I think that it actually kind of fits it better. Especially when you consider that even when you have Sebastian Shaw, who played the old man Anakin when he takes the helmet off, why does he have hair in ghost form? <laughs> he like he looks completely different in the ghost form than he did 
when he had the helmet off. So if it's supposed to be the physical representation when you die, even that doesn't make sense. So I could care less about that. Uh, I think the Anakin thing is better with Hayden Christensen. The music, another thing I'm going to defend. The original music, it sounds like a Muppet th- song. Like, yup, nup, like it does it, it's it's just stupid it does not work if if you did not grow up watching that and you just for the first time watch these two stuff show it to mallory say this song at the I end do. or this song at the end okay good i can't wait to hear what the, the opinion i on that. don't think because you really I, gave an opinion to spoil it but i did definitely showed her it yeah but it's so much more dramatic the new music that plays and it feels kind of like cultural in a way like it feels not like and this might be an ewok music i like it so much better it fits the scene like the yub nub i almost feel like it's a fraggle rock theme like yub nub down a fraggle rock <laughs> they even have the down a fraggle rock <laughs> it's just it doesn't work so i i prefer the new theme I don't love the final pose. I think I mentioned that in the past one. We always have that last pose. This literally just looks like everybody posing for a picture. <laughs> like, hey, cheese, everybody. Uh, but otherwise, like, near perfect end to the movie. Um, totally redeemed. Not just like Anakin, but even just the ending here, the, all the Luke and Vader stuff, totally redeems the movie. And the music redeems the movie. The new music. All the Luke and um, Vader and Emperor stuff is fantastic. Um, yeah, I just love his whole, like, you want this, don't you? <laughs> like, just going along with that. And, yeah, just the moment when he eventually grabs it and strikes it and Vader battles with it. Everything is just... I don't have really anything to add in terms of criticisms or anything different to what you added. It's just... It's fantastic. And I think there was a, um, you know, one of these many best lightsaber battles in Star Wars lists, and this one's always up there. Uh, obviously, I think kind of a lot of the prequel ones have overtaken this, but I mean, again, different way of doing them. But I, I do love when like Luke kicks Vader and ooh, and he like flips backwards like old man Vader, sounding like he's got like a sore back or something. Like that. Oh, my sciatica! <laughs> Not there, son. Play gentler. No, no. Um, but yeah, I love the moment when he gets the lightsaber and he like chops down the platform on top of Luke. There was, was it the Force um, the Force Unleashed video games where you could do the throwing lightsaber thing and you could like chop yeah. things like that? Um, and I, also oh, think, I love doing I also think you could do it in Lego Star Wars too from memory. So um, yeah, it's so, so good. I mean, I, I just love the way Vader's like, for sister, you have a twin yeah. sister. Like the way he delivers that. Um, like, just Vader just doesn't give a shit here. Badass Vader. Um, which, you know, maybe the last moment of badass Vader we get. But then I just love, like, Luke's just so angry, like, no! And pew, 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 just, like, absolutely mowing the shit down of Vader. <laughs> but uh, you talk about the music. This is one of my favorite pieces of music, just the way that goes when he's just, like, smacking the shit out of him, just, you know, pew, pew, pew. And then he just chops Vader's hand off, and Vader's just like, ooh, old man Vader. Um, not the sand, Luke. Stop with the sand. Um, but yeah, the the whole lightning section, so people complain that, oh, why does it take so long to introduce force lightning into it? Um, again, on the grand scheme of things, we've seen force lightning, if you watch this in continuity order, uh, with the prequels. But, I mean, 
every like do we when does the emperor ever get to use force lightning before this like at what moment would he get to use this you know kind of the emperor's just kind of this yeah, old, exactly this old man who's just kind of in control we've never really seen him have to be all powerful and use what he is it's like in the prequels and people complain about oh yoda fighting with a lightsaber or the emperor fighting with a lightsaber we talked about that like how that kind of makes sense so you know i don't see there's an issue where all of a sudden we get to see him use a new power um it's not like he's floating through space like freaking mary poppins um oh god we've got to do that in like two weeks um <laughs> let's just keep talking oh, for two weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> longest episode ever um but yeah i'm i don't care I, I don't mind the no no when he picks him up and throws him down like that's never bothered me again another one of these little things that people just want to complain about for whatever reason um, and there was, I remember seeing an article once that was kind of like, why Darth Vader was in more pain than you realize. And like, when you see him getting like zapped by the lightning, when he's holding up the emperor, you kind of see like, um, flashes of his skeleton and they're like, oh, if you mm-hmm. freeze frame on his skeleton, he doesn't have any bones in his neck or something like that. And it's like, what? <laughs> um, it was just like such a weird article. Well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's mechanical at maybe. this point. It might just be mechanical. They got all burnt out and everything like that. Um, yeah, when when Luke sort of takes off the, I actually remember watching that for the very first time. Like, oh my god, what does he look like? Um, and it's you know, and it's, I like the way they make his helmet come off. How it's not just like let's pull the helmet off. Like you've literally got to take like the top bit off, and then you've got to like unclip something. And you hear those like sounds, like the way they kind mm-hmm. of do it. Like that's really cool because. I guess at the end of the day, this thing has got to keep this guy alive for 30 years, you know? After, I hate you! I hate you! From my point of view, my suit is burning! Uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be hilarious if in, like, the special edition, as he removes his helmet, a whole bunch of sand comes out? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I've been living with this for 20 years! Finally, Luke. Uh, but yeah, it is a, it is a pretty, you know... Uh, choked up moment, you know, like, you've done what you can, tell your sister, you know, I love her. Uh, I just want him to go, Luke, Leia, there is still good in him. Uh, Um, But the thing is too, I think, like, with the way they've digitally removed the hair and everything, like, going back to Revenge of the Sith, when he's burning and he's kind of there with his hands, and when the Emperor comes and saves him, like, it actually, they do a very good job in Revenge of the Sith of kind of replicating the look here, don't they? Of sort of, you know, he's obviously freshly crisp when he's just being burnt uh, from Volcanic Planet. But here, like, you, you can easily see kind of how they've, you know, he still sort of looks like an older burnt version. Like, I think it works very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do love how Luke just, you know, escapes. He's dragging Vader through the Death Star. Now, going back to our, like, conversation in the lunchroom, like, do you not think there's a couple of stormtroopers <laughs> of that all of a sudden going, hey, who's that? that that's our boss. What, what's that guy doing dragging yeah. <laughs> through the... Hang on a minute. <laughs> like, stop that he's, man. He's got to ride out of here. Like, well, that too. Take me. Like, I mean, <laughs> no one notices their beloved. Like, this goes back to your point at the very beginning of this movie. Like, 20 people show up when Vader comes. But when the Emperor shows up, like, 50,000 people show up. Like, <laughs> poor Darth Vader. <laughs> He's not very well loved in the on the opinion polls. Um, <laughs> he looks too much like Justin Trudeau. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that joke's funny at the time of recording this. Um, but yeah, when he just like casually, Luke just casually flies out, like very lucky. Like what if he just, the ship stalled or something and he get blown up in the Death Star explosion? Like, <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, the, here's my brother moment is very like cheesy. Like, cause again, the way Leia plays it off, it's kind of like, didn't you know Han? Like, how do you not know? What do you not have yeah. the force or something? Oh God, I don't want to <laughs> be with you anymore. Um, the, uh, Vader barbecue scene. I love the music. Just the, just the way that plays. Um, which I, I remember when I saw Emp- uh, Phantom Menace for the first time and they're burning Qui-Gon. I'm like, oh, it makes sense. They do that with all the Jedi. Um, now, you didn't, yeah. really, you, you didn't really mention this. Like, the, like, first of all, okay, let me say, Yub-Nub, I actually like Yub-Nub, again, but I completely agree with everything you just said. Like, growing up, that's the ending of the movie. Yub-Nub! As a kid, you love that, kind of the ending. They're playing the drums on the, the different helmets. Like, how freaky are these Ewoks that they've kind of just taken the helmets off these dead people? Like, oh, we're going to play them as drums now. Um, like, are there still heads in them? Is this like Django Fett? Like, you know, he's holding up an yeah. egg <laughs> That's the thing about that, yeah. Um, I don't, but I mean, again, this kind of goes to my point before. Like, they've destroyed the second Death Star. How do they know the Emperor and Darth Vader are dead? Like, they didn't celebrate like this at the end of, you know, A New Hope. Uh, they had no idea that the Emperor and that weren't dead back then. <laughs> like, is there a is there a news wire? Like, the Rebel News Service, breaking news. Tonight, the Emperor has been defeated. He is dead. Or will he? Maybe return in 30 years. We'll find out soon. And so is Darth Vader. Both are dead. That means the <laughs> Empire is over. Everyone, yub-nub time. Yub-nub. Yub-nub. <laughs> um, but, okay, um, the, the closing bit, I just, this is maybe my favourite edition of all the um, special editions because I think this this music, what's it called? Celebration theme. So good. You talk about getting, like, choked up. I always, like, this music's, like, emotional. I think it's, like, it's great. And kind of the way it plays out, like, is a, sur- a perfect conclusion to what at this point was, you know, a six-movie storyline. You know, like, forget the sequel trilogy. Like, this is just a perfect way to close it out. And the additional scenes, like, you didn't mention these additional scenes that they add of kind of, like, the entire galaxy celebrating, um, oh, yeah, the planets. Which people complain mm-hmm. about because why? Oh, we see Gungans. Like, the, I mean, this is the thing, though. Like, I joke about why are they celebrating now. Like, this is the end of the Empire. So, of course, like, this is like Germany celebrating after the Nazis are gone. Like, you know, we're free. Like, you see Cloud City celebrating, yeah. which looks fantastic, like all the people on the streets. I love the fact that we get Naboo. Like, this is the thing. Like, people want to hate on the prequels and they just want to completely forget about them. But this is a six movie story. They need to connect them. And I love the fact that they connect them. I mean, George Lucas connected these movies more so Mm -hmm. than in two sequel trilogy movies that we've had so far. It's like, they completely want to forget about them. Um, but like we get the shot of, uh, Mos Eisley, uh, like Tatooine celebrating or the sand being coarse and rough and irritating everyone, but they don't care because they're happy because the empire yeah. being defeated. And then just the shot of Naboo. Like I love the, we suffering moment of like Jar Jar up on the top there. And just, <laughs> I really, really appreciate that shot. I think it's great. And then we get Coruscant as well. Um, I think it's great. I, I really, really love it. And I just think that, that this is just a perfect way to show just how much this means to the entire galaxy. So people are just hating on it because, oh, they're prequel mentions. Like, I mean, this this makes... Very too, because if you're watching this trilogy, you're seeing it from the point of view of the Rebels. And we mentioned when we did uh, Man of Steel that we felt like one of the things that was missing from Man of Steel is you never see how the world responds to this. You're only seeing it from 
you know, Clark Kent's point of view. Um, they correct that in Batman versus Superman. They never correct in the Star Wars trilogy. So who are we or how, how are we to ever assume whether the rest of the world wants this? Maybe the Empire is popular in other places. <laughs> All we see are the rebels cheering. I think to see that, you actually get that it's like the entire galaxy needed this. This isn't just one faction overthrowing another one. It makes it more effective when you know that people are celebrating this outside of just the teddy bears and the people who just won the battle. Because otherwise, you say, oh, well, this is just another regime overthrowing the previous one. And this is a problem I have with the sequel trilogy. Because when we pick up in The Force Awakens, we just picked up, boom, smack bang in the middle of like none of this ever happened. It's kind of like, okay... It's still the fight for good versus evil, and it's just, oh, it's not called the Rebel Alliance and the Empire anymore. It's the First Order and the Resistance. And it's, it's just basically exactly yeah. the same. And you just, it's all of a sudden like, well, mm-hmm. what's the point? Like, to me, the sequel trilogy is kind of just taken away from this, how emotionally great this ending is. That, to me, is a huge problem with the sequel trilogy. Again, I realize there's a 30 year gap. I realize there's other media and books and things and they're going to do this in Mandalorian and things like this which kind of are tying the gaps but sometimes while expanded universes are great outside of the mediums and things like that outside of movies sometimes you do want to just watch movies without having to do research between other movies you know what I mean like you feel like they should be connected in some way um you know like even like I feel Jurassic World did that better than, um, you know, the sequel trilogy did. And obviously, you know, we've talked about that mm-hmm. in the past. But, yeah, so, like, we'll get to that. We're there next week. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is necessary. And then the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost bit, I absolutely love this. And not just because I love Hayden mm-hmm. Christensen, but it makes complete sense. It makes so much sense to me. And, like, as you said about how... You know, he was his most powerful, and like the the, the Costin argument is, well, that's when he was last good. And some people are, oh no, he wasn't. He was good for the last like five minutes before he died. But again, like, are we going to see a badly burnt Anakin there, old man Anakin in his robes and everything like that? Like, yeah, because but in the past we didn't. We saw him with hair. Like, I mean, he never had hair when <laughs> he was good. Um, so like, it doesn't make sense. And he I, certainly didn't wear those robes when he was that old. Yeah. So like, to me, it, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, look at Yoda. He's not 900 years old in that vision. He's at least 712. So, (laughs) you know, no one goes on about that. But I I just, I like it. I like the way it connects the prequels with the originals. Um, You know, there might be a little bit there where I guess you could be, oh, does that make sense? Luke doesn't know what he looks like when he's younger. But, I mean, at the same time, like, I mean, I'm sure Luke's not dumb. He's not like, oh, that must be what my dad looked like when he was younger. I'll see where I got my good looks from. Or something like that. <laughs> and I've also seen, like, people, like, have said, like, oh, why doesn't Qui-Gon Jinn appear? And it's like, well, because what perp Luke would have been like, who the hell is that guy? He doesn't know him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mace Windu shows. the um, If you've ever watched the How It Should Have Ended, uh, when they spit happens, they get there and they actually have, like, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon shows up and Mace Windu shows up. And then all of a sudden, all the younglings show up and they look up at Anakin <laughs> and they're like, you killed all of us. And you're just like, mm, awkward this is. <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah, I, I for one love this. I The very first time I saw this new edition, the way I did it, I think it works great. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I... I'm not a not a fan of this. It's brilliant. And the shots of then, like, all the Ewoks and everyone dancing. Uh, I love, like, Lando showing up and, like, hugging Han. I love Wedge showing up and Wedge getting some love. Like, yeah. good on you, Wedge. Everyone loved you. 
Um, and also the awkward dancing of some of the rebels. If you actually just look at the, the long shots and you just see the guy oh, yeah. shoots, just going like, oh shit, cameras are rolling, better dance. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder how many of these rebels got drunk and like ended up hooking up with an Ewok or something like that. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I love it. I, I really love this ending, the, the new addition to it. Uh, I also should mention, like, even when the special edition came out and included the other planets, included Tatooine and Bespin, uh, and they showed Coruscant uh, there, that was the first look we ever had at Coruscant. Uh, at that point, they were, I think they hadn't even started filming yet, but they were in pre-production on the Phantom Menace, so they knew what the planet was going to look like. And the planet Coruscant had been talked about in Star Wars books, you know, going back for years. Uh, but that was like the big reveal. This is what Coruscant looks like. And we get to see him tear down the statue of the Emperor, which is cool too. Um, but yeah, add Naboo in there, like, I don't care. It's it's It ties it all together better, you know? It's just people who don't want to accept the prequels are like, well, I don't want to be reminded of the prequels. Like, well, it's one shot. Like, that's the thing is, Star Wars fans, I, I'm like as big of a Star Wars fan as you will ever find, but I'm not one of these ones who complains. I'll complain. You'll hear it when we get to Last Jedi. But I'm like, they should never have done this. I'm like, well, they did do it. You either like it or you don't. But when people get upset over the littlest details, you're going to complain about four shots that last for about 15 seconds of a movie? Seriously? You're going to complain about something? Complain about the 15 minutes it took them to not cook Han, um, you know, uh, <laughs> at the banquet or whatever. Uh, there's just much worse things to get upset about. Anyways, um... We have said we're returning to the Jedi because people have grown up with this. I mean, it still has that reputation. It's an original trilogy movie. 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is still really strong. Uh, but when you actually break it down like a Metacritic, it's 58 out of 100, which isn't... The, the reviews that were positive weren't like glowing reviews. And uh, I'm not going to read much from it because uh, if, if you go on the Star Wars website, you can see original 1983 reviews. And believe it or not, like the Star Wars website is putting out there a lot of negative reviews. This movie didn't get great reviews. I think this 81% has a lot to do with more modern reviews because when you look at the 83 reviews, a lot of them are very negative. Uh, some of the positive ones, so Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars, like a perfect four stars. Did you say something? What? Yes. I not What? No, I didn't. Um... What? What? Who said? Who said that? What? You're so paranoid. Like, did you say something? Who's here? What's happening? <laughs> no, I heard like it must have been some type of glitch in Skype or something like that. It was like, Rrr! I'm like, what? What? <laughs> oh, I've just got Chewy here with me. He's fine. He'll, he'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> That's what it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roger, Roger, four out of four out of four stars. He called it complete entertainment, a feast for the eyes, and a delight for the fancy. It's a little amazing how Lucas and his associates keep topping themselves. So that. Roger Ebert basically would have said this is his favorite of one of the movies. Uh, and again, if we're going through all the movies, I don't know what he said about Revenge of the Sith or if he you know, was giving reviews at that time. But out of the five Star Wars movies, the only one he gave a negative review for was Attack of the Clones. He gave it a positive one, very positive to the Phantom Menace even. So a big supporter. Uh, Gene, Gene Siskel also gave it four out of four stars. Uh, from the moment that the familiar Star Wars introductory words begin to crawl up on the screen, Return of the Jedi is a childlike delight. It's the best video game around. <laughs> uh, definitely negative reviews, though, too. Although a lot of the negative reviews are still somewhat complimentary. One says it's... Um, uh, a feat of mass enchantment puts the happy finishing touch on the shows because that's a positive one. Never mind. Uh, why did I lose the negative ones here? Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Vincent Canby of the New York Times. 
said Return of the Jedi was by far the dimmest adventure of the lot. <laughs> and says the joys of watching space battles as envisioned by wizards and studios and laboratories are not inexhaustible. And um, typical. the yeah, typical. Uh, and then Pauline Kale, who we mentioned, gives a negative review to almost everything under the sun that anybody has any enjoyment in. Uh, said some of the trick effects might seem miraculous if the image really had any luster, but Return of the Jedi is an impersonal and rather junky piece of movie making. So not great reviews when it came out, but box office, obviously spectacular. Uh, highest grossing film of 1983. I think the original gross of this, uh, like more than doubled what the you know the next highest gross movie had. Um, overall box office, uh, $252 million. Uh, you add in the special editions, you're well over 300 on here. That's domestic. Uh, worldwide, almost $500 million, $475 million. Places it eighth on the Star Wars scale, but um, I'll look up in a second to see what the overall adjusted gross of this would be. 1983, highest grossing film of the year, obviously, $252 million. Next closest, Terms of Endearment with 108. Uh, Terms of Endearment, only the second film in 83 to make over $100 million. But then you look at all the other movies that came out this year. This is a stacked year. Like, we made fun of 1980, like, not a lot of competition for Return of the Jedi. Uh, Return of the Jedi, Returns of Endearment, Flashdance, Trading Places, War Games, Octopussy, Sudden Impact, Staying Alive, Mr. Mom, Risky Business, National Lampoon's Vacation, Superman 3, The Big Chill, Never Say Never Again, Jaws 3D, Scarface. It just goes on and on and on. Yentl. Like, oh. seriously, look at the competition they had. Uh, incredible year in 1983. Uh, so, ton of competition. It outgrosses The Empire Strikes Back overall. Uh, so, obviously, there was no fatigue with the franchise here. Uh, overall gross uh, for inflation. Let me see if I can find this here. Uh, all right. So, Star Wars, obviously, is still our number one. Uh, Return of the Jedi, number four overall. So, even adjusted for inflation, the Phantom Menace made more money than Return of the Jedi. Let's again dispel the myth that Return of the or the, 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 the Phantom Menace. Nobody liked the Phantom Menace because apparently more people, on average, paid to see that than Return of the Jedi. And Return of the Jedi was also that first movie that had lineups around the block when it came out. Uh, its opening weekend was thirty million dollars, which was like by far a record at the time. Uh, nothing had really even come close. It was like a miraculous, like. How did they make $30 million? Movie opens with $30 million. Now that's crazy. This had only 1,000 theaters, which was like the widest release you know, that they had had. Uh, so huge box office. Uh, plot keywords. Uh, let me see if I can even pull this up here. Uh, I'm sure Incestus, you haven't found anything? <laughs> uh, well, no, it's in all of them, I'm sure. Scantily clad female month. I'm sure we've come up. Mon Mothma character month. Can't wait for that one. Yes. Uh, we are so excited for the plot keywords for thin and attractive month. Okay, this one has me intrigued. Um, Atomic Blonde, number one. Terrible movie. Uh, Return of the Jedi, number two. Weird Science, number three. Uh, number four, Unplanned. I don't even know what that is. Um, it wasn't planned. And... No, <laughs> and Max Payne. Uh, anything else you're finding? Oh, Sexiness month. Man Thin eating woman. monster month. Man eating monster. Uh, Wedge Antilles character month. Oh, hang, on. hang on. Human alien sexual relations month. Oh, go with it. What's on there? 
Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, Star Trek, Meatball Machine, and four, three, two, one, Mort, a 1967 <laughs> sci-fi film. Where's Howard the Duck on that one? I think that legitimately has a woman having sex with a duck alien. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that was Leah Thompson, right? So yeah, <laughs> she's after a son, and now she's after a. Dark and then this, she was Carolyn in the sea and drew like, cartoons. Yeah, on Solo's type. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, am I forgetting anything here? We have a wrap on Return of the Jedi. Just our ratings. Uh, I think you're good. Uh, <laughs> did you say anything? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna, what? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're rank, them, don't we? We're gonna well, we're both. Yeah, yes. got to rank. Well, I, we're going to give our overall rankings later on because I don't even know if I can keep track of them. But um, I could tell you. Uh, like, there's probably a, t- a time where I would have said I prefer The Phantom Menace over this movie. I think The Phantom Menace is just. It's fine from start to finish. I don't think it has any section of the movie that's as bad as the middle section of Return of the Jedi, but I think that the just the finale of Return of the Jedi is so satisfying and you know the Emperor and the Luke's invader stuff especially is so good. I think it this just being the last one, like it's 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 such a satisfying conclusion. So I'm gonna rank it ahead of the Phantom Menace now. Um I'm not even sure whether this will place it overall, but I mean it's it's behind two other prequel movies, so I think there are definite flaws with this. Look, I've always said this is my favourite. Um, when I did my rankings uh, after Last Jedi, I was like, yep, this is still number one. Uh, even when I just did my top 50 movies of all time, this was the highest Star Wars film. I think I had this at like number four or number five. So this has always been my favourite. Um, but uh, last week I moved Empire behind Revenge of the Sith and I'm probably going to do it again now. Um I just I, I say it every week when we talk about Revenge of the Sith. Every time I watch Revenge of the Sith, it gets better. And there's just something about this rewatch that has just really made me make Revenge of the Sith. So yeah, I'm creating a lot of enemies here. The fact that I'm I'm going to have wow. Revenge of the Sith at number one still, um, which means <laughs> do I put this ahead of Empire or below Empire? Um, I might actually move this below Empire now. I still love this movie. I still <laughs> love this movie. Don't get me wrong. This has always been up there because I just the theme, the the mood of this movie and how it wraps everything up. I just love so much. But um, yeah, I, I didn't think I'd shift things around so much on this rewatch. So I'm going to put this in third right now. Uh, so yeah, and I, I'm telling you now, <laughs> none of the last two movies are moving anywhere in my top three. So uh, <laughs> wow, I didn't think I'd do well, that. I mean, this- that's and again, I can't fault you because I said I think when we did Revenge of the Sith, you know, I for several years would have said revenge of the sith might have even been my number one and now i kind of have it ranked third but you know, we'll revisit this once we've seen the entire series and see how it plays out um bringing us into next week the movie that's not going to be higher than any of these oh, um the, the force awakens trilogy. what are we doing we're gonna get into the disney ones oh, again. yeah oh. disney but here's the thing like with force awakens I don't really have any... There's things that I think are wrong with this movie. It's definitely not original. Uh, but I find so little to actually hate about this. Like, it is so enjoyable still. And I don't think I've watched it all the way through since... Uh, before I saw The Last Jedi. Um, but I... When this was in theaters, I saw it seven times. Which is a, a record low for me, at least at the time. <laughs> for a Star Wars movie. Because I saw them, like, dozens or more times. But... 
you know, I, I still absolutely loved The Force Awakens. I think most of our criticism next week, at least from my point of view, most of my criticism next week is going to be directed at the lack of originality. And I really wish they had done this differently, but not an overall uh, knock against whether the movie's entertaining. Because I still think this is probably one of my favorite movies. We're going to do like a best of the decade. You know, there's a good chance Force Awakens is going to be pretty high on that list. Oh, like this is maybe the most indifferent of all the Star Wars movies I feel because like I feel like that's Rogue One, but you know, yeah, we talked about that. But look, I don't hate The Force Awakens. I do not hate this movie. I agree with you. I think it's it's a very enjoyable movie, and I think kind of you left this cinema going, okay, there was enough there to get me excited for what's to come. I think kind of they've left some groundwork there where you've got some interesting enough things, but. I also think a lot of people just had the rose-tinted goggles on and were just kind of so taken aback by this film when it first came out. Like, oh, my God, finally, we've got a a movie that we wanted. You know, it's not the prequels. It's so good. And just people were talking about this being like a perfect film when it came out. And I remember when Noah and I saw this and we just could not stop talking about it. And the more we kept talking about it all night, the more things we started finding wrong with it. And we did that Survivor Oz episode of just Star mm-hmm. Wars. Just We spoke for so long. So we just all of a sudden, every moment, we kept thinking, like, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I think this movie held up so much better when I watched it just before The Last Jedi. And as soon as I saw The Last Jedi, I'm like, wow, The Force Awakens just got better. Um, and I don't yeah. think I've actually <laughs> watched this since The Last Jedi. So I'll be interested to see how my opinion takes on it. But, like... It's not original. There's like, we talked about this earlier on in this movie about how there's just no originality to it and they don't even try and hide it. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many things, but like, and we joke so much about The Last Jedi, but The Last Jedi has ruined so much about this movie at the same time as well. There's so many plot lines in The Force Awakens that I feel I'm just going to get angry about seeing because I know, like, oh, well, that's just going to amount to nothing in the next movie and they're just going to throw that away. Um, so yeah, I'm weirdly looking forward to talking about this just to see where my reaction stands currently right now after last Jedi issues. Um, and again, I think kind of, they'll be changed obviously once we see the rise of Skywalker as well, because I just feel that with JJ back at the helm, I'm hoping that he will fix the shit pile that Mm -hmm. Ryan Johnson has left him. So yeah, I, I look, I'm just definitely not one of these fanboys about The Force Awakens as much as some people are. But again, I don't hate it either. So to me, mm-hmm. it's going to be a solid... Right now, it's a solidly high rent or a low buy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> change my mind in the next week. All right. Um, I will try. <laughs> this this might be a weird thing. I might end up being a bigger defender of this than you are. Um but uh, we ended the original trilogy, so we have to eventually move on to Disney. We're so sorry. Um, <laughs> Our first two-part um, of the original trilogy, and it was Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're starting to hit on something here. You know, the more controversial the movie is, the more debate we have. Jedi, aren't we? I know. Oh, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> uh, can we just do that now? <laughs> Can we just put a cap on it? Oh, oh. If you add up our reviews, for, like, do we have anything left after our first two reviews that we did when that came out? I know that our ratings are going to change on that, but we're only two weeks away from The Last Jedi. Get ready, people. Only one week away from The Force Awakens and only three weeks away from The Rise of Skywalker. So if you're listening to this after it's come out and all of our theories about maybe we'll see that The Rise of Skywalker have already proven to be wrong, um, just remember, we record this beforehand. We're not idiots. At least I'm not. Ben, maybe a different story. 
Ben's an idiot, uh, but everybody knows that because uh, he talks to himself a lot. Um, we have lots of other stuff going on. I think Survivor's still running right now. <laughs> Great season. I'm enjoying it myself. Oh, lots of immunity idols out there. Can't believe the returning players they've pulled out of nowhere this season. Like who? Oh yeah. Whoever would have thought that like Patricia would have come back? Like Jesus, and what a player yeah. this turned out to be. Peter Harkey. Wow. God, Nick Brown. My lord, oh, this guy future was a all star. stars. Jesus. <laughs> Um, but we're going to be wrapping other stuff up by the end of the year. So once Star Wars is done and we've done about 16 reviews on it, uh, we're going to have an end of decade best of thing like uh, we would normally do for end of year. But it's going to be the whole decade. And maybe Star Wars will make it on there. As always, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, YouTube, uh, wherever you can find us. We'll see you again next week. My name is Colin and I have foreseen this. And my name is Ben and Jabba 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 Naboo. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.